I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back, and we have another fantastic episode today. We are talking about Treasure Planet, and we have a very special guest. I will say I think of this every time you start a podcast, because you always go, we have another fantastic episode today. And I'm like, we haven't recorded this yet. You're really like... Setting the bar high. I guess so. I just get excited. (laughs) We've got a guest and you totally cut him off. I was like ready to introduce the guest. I think think Tara's vote of confidence is perfectly suited. This is going to (laughs) be an exceptional, exciting episode. Okay, Ryan? Thank you so much, Travis. Welcome. Hello, Travis. (laughs) Travis and I, Travis, (laughs) I was thinking about this part. We've known each other for like 20 years at this point, haven't we? I mean, more or less. At this this point in our lives, what's what's a year or two? It's 20 years. Because we were in Theta. Did you go all the way through Theta Tau? No. No, you dropped before. Because I think you changed majors. Yeah. I, well, I got in a little bit of a tiff with the environmental engineering department. So, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Fall of my senior year, I did switch majors. Okay. Uh, Theta Tau was a... Engineering fraternity. Thank you. I was, I was uh, Travis's pledge master and probably the most ill-prepared... Of like, let me explain to you how this all works. I just come to be like, what are we doing today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Travis and I traveled to Australia together. I know we talked a little bit about that on the Rescuers Down Under uh, what, a good, what a good movie. What a good right? movie. Right? Yeah. Like, that was one was... Go back and listen to our Rescuers Down Under episode. It's a really good episode. It was very surprising. I was like, yeah, this is kind of a a, a B-level movie. And maybe it still is, but to me, I really enjoyed the heck out of that episode. Um, But then uh, we both kind of met up again in Austin when we decided to go to a... Uh, local gaming bar that you was having... rekindled your friend. Yes, yes. That was having D and D over dice and character sheets. Yes, <laughs> and so we've been hanging out ever since. And uh, Travis has since met my lovely wife Tara, and now likes me better than Ryan. I mean, some days, yeah, for that sure. feels <laughs> that feels like the trajectory for a lot of my friends. Like it's kind of like that's the ultimate goal is. But like it's it's a backwards compliment to you though, Ryan. Like yes, well done. I am the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. Yeah. Like, it's, Ooh, it's like the that. journey. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, but you guys also have a connection with this movie specifically, right? I remember this. Let's talk this through. You seem a little less, a little, little hazy. I remember when we, so when we went to Australia, we spent about a month previous mm-hmm. uh, in Asia going through Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, and China. Um, do we want to talk about how you busted your chin open in Vietnam I, or do we want to skip that? <laughs> you know, that, that is, that was the one and only and last time I was ever on a motorcycle. I have not <laughs> done it since. <laughs> Something about going face first into a wall and having my chin burst like a oh, ripe melon. Oh no. Was like, that was Lots it. of people got hurt. Didn't break Blake yeah, break I, his foot? I, I broke Blake's foot, yes. Yeah, so there are a lot of injuries on that trip. My other favorite story, which we probably don't want to tell on this podcast, but Uh-oh. is it, wasn't it Travis who you didn't like being in crowds of people? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Travis yeah. had a really hard time in in China, as I recall. I feel like past tense is not accurate there. Travis still doesn't like being <laughs> you. You are much I also better. don't love being in crowds of people. I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of that Like either. I remember you didn't like me touching you, and I was a very handsy person in general. I was a very not intimate mis- relationship. Yes, it was not. I, we, we get a lot, a lot along a lot better now than we did in Australia. Um, but I was, I was a very personal space disappeared, especially when uh, Ryan had a few drinks. Yes, when and Travis was, was like, "Nope, don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just remember in China, you were like walking, and first of all, this is this is kind of an inter- I, we may cut this part out yeah but like, this is the part that Travis it, yeah. is is easily twice as big as the normal like Chinese the uh, average uh, hu- human in, in yeah. China so it's like you're like going through like they're the sea and you're the like shark fin from Jaws going through <laughs> and you're just looking around and you're like shaking your head and all of a sudden you just go do you remember this where you're like fee five oh, <laughs> and all everyone went ah and like scattered and you're like awesome and then just like kept that walking that worked <laughs> Like you just thought you'd like put on a scene and everyone would move away and you're like perfect. Okay, I'm uh, glad you remember that because I've told Tara that story. That's yeah, I the, knew that story before I met you. The other good story that comes from that trip was: Do you remember being in northern Thailand? I think it was in northern Thailand mm-hmm. when we sat down. We were at dinner and we decided that we needed to have a Thai chili eating contest. Yes, uh, have you heard this <laughs> no. story? It was me. To say I was in the contest is being very generous because I believe my my you I put had a chili won. on your lips when <laughs> left and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was me you and Shane mm-hmm. and you and Shane went like one for one for a while Oof. I had one and was like out now I did bite down I will say that but yeah, compared yeah. to the, everything else I was like I, I took I took so the bronze won? immediately. Uh, Tara, I think the only people that won that contest were those that did not participate. <laughs> fair like, enough. That was fair enough. just abs- uh, my whole face was like slightly buzzing and then numb. Oh and it, gosh. I was lightheaded. Yes. it was it was bad. It, it was it was it was you know now there's hot ones and all those things where people do that, but it was that thing where you're like I feel like I was watching Travis take ayahuasca or something mm. where it was like you were seeing the face of the jaguar god. It was it was it was crazy. It was not the, right. The the chin splitting I want to tell my mm-hmm. side of the chin thing real quick. I woke up cuz we were on a time change. And I woke up. Someone like I think it was like Matt or somebody like poked me and was like, "Hey, we're going to go rent motorcycles." And I again there were a few things that happened on this trip where I was kind of the crazy weird one and I would go, no, I'm not doing that. And it should have been like a huge warning sign to everybody who wanted to participate <laughs> in that thing that this is a bad idea. So Matt poked me and went, hey, uh, we're going to rent motorcycles. And I went, Godspeed, you have a good time. I'm not doing that. And then I remember going to sleep and the next thing that... So to me, this is like a three second story because then yeah. I poked awake going... Travis is in the ER. Like, there's been an accident. <laughs> what was the What was well, the ER okay, so like? Be, where we you need were? To really too. clarify what ER means here. I got wheeled to a regional clinic in a wheelbarrow attached to a bicycle. Like, I was holding my face together with a rag, waving at everyone that was laughing at me. Oh They all my knew gosh. exactly what I'd done, and so yeah. I was like, just jumped in front of this clinic. Uh, where they sort of put a sheet with a square hole over my chin, so I couldn't see what was happening, and then they just they just sewed it back together. There was no 
thankfully there was no like structural damage yeah. Yeah. or it was just it was just a, a needle wow i mean job. and looking at you now you'd never know well that's because when we went to uh ho chi minh city there was another doctor we went to and he used now this is what i remember i don't know if this is exactly what it was but this is the memory is he had these like phosphate sticks that looked like pieces of chalk and he took it he was wearing a big thick glove and he took it and he burned the car like where the flesh had oh. grown in wrong he burned it back with these phosphate sticks to even out the scar. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was sophisticated. And I did mean, they give you anything for the, like, did you feel that? Did they numb you up? Uh, there. I would think I was still in shock when they were sewing it together because I didn't get anything. I don't remember getting anything for that. Wow. Uh, but then I think I had, like, Tylenol, basically, that I took yeah. for two weeks or something. But, yeah, for the most part, no. It was... The- Ugh. In hindsight, this might be part of the reason why you were so agitated by my uh, lack of personal space. I can now <laughs> understand why you're like, just leave me alone. <laughs> Maybe a little testy. <laughs> um, but one of the things I do remember, too, is every once in a while, I don't remember exactly which cities, because it'd be every once in a while we'd end up at a store that was like bootleg DVDs, you know, 20, what boiled down to 50 cents American DVD. Yeah, and so we were buying all these DVDs because we're like we're gonna spend five months in um, Australia, and I it was like movies that had were just in theaters and movies mm-hmm. that had like we hadn't seen before. And I yeah, was this was the olden of, times. Yes, <laughs> a DVD, children, is a digital video <laughs> disc, and what it is, um, no, but uh, we I remember a couple things about one of them was like the second Lord of the Rings, which had just come out in theaters but i think the problem or maybe it ha- one of them had one of them we got and i remember it kept skipping back to a part but it did it in such a way that like it took us two you or three realize, times going yeah. oh we've watched this scene before like if we weren't like really paying attention yeah i think that's probably just a comment on the the length of lord of the rings itself that you can loop back on it and be like oh wait did we see that elf before yeah <laughs> but um there were also ones like we got, I remember getting them and I was sitting there just going through them and you'd watch them and some of them just flat out didn't work. It was like a 50 cent gamble. Like, is yeah. this work? or there was ones that like had the wrong movie. It wasn't the movie yeah. you bought or like the formatting was impossible. Yeah. One, one of us got either you or me or both of us was treasure planet because you we know, went you bring that up. I think I still have it. Let me see if I, I think it's like, okay, give me, give me two seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my so, gosh. This is also this? this is also a testament to the different type of people. Oh my gosh. Wow. There it is. And it's glory. I actually don't Yeah, there it is. This is a testament to the different two different people we are, Travis. Is Travis got up and went and looked in his closet and all I could think of is there's nothing in that closet. There's not much in that closet, whereas I feel like all of our closets are just stuffed with things. <laughs> but yet you still know you have things from like 20 years ago they're like yes i know exactly where it is or if you ask i don't think there's anything in this house that's over there's like three things that are over the close to 20 years old and i don't know where I mean, they'd be things that i have from childhood are in this i'm house. talking about me oh okay me and travis being <laughs> i see i was like um again, i just mean like tara, tara's the better person again like i don't have i just think it's funny that you're like yes i know exactly where this i love that is. you have it though whereas i bought like 
a hundred DVDs. And they're <laughs> all gone. They're all, I threw them away at some point. I mean, on I, even like the best quality of them, though, was garbage. So it's not yes. like they're not <laughs> treasures by any means. So, and I remember, I remember you specifically, because I feel like I really enjoyed this movie, but no one else seemed to want to watch it with me. Everyone wanted to watch other movies, but you really liked it. I don't know if we watched it together, but I remember us talking about it and I was, I was talking about how much you enjoyed this movie. Here, so here's what I remember really liking about this movie. And I, I'm, I'm super excited to be doing this because I want to know if it still holds true, because this is not actually related to the story of Treasure Island whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part that I remember appreciating about this movie is the extent of the world building that they did for like the super casual scenes, you know, that there's stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't have plot significance. You never see it again, but they just, I remember them going into this whole ecosystem that existed in space. And then they just confidently threw out the, like, we need oxygen to breathe. They said, nope, not in our world. And they just did whatever they wanted. There's apparently a line that kind of explains that, but I like that they don't go, they're not like, well, oh, A, I like that. It's, it's like, we have to fly through the atheum or something. Like there's, there's something that they're specifically flying through, which I think that one line gives it interest in that there's a, like, you know, now it feels more like a ship thing. Cause you have to like chart a course. You can't yeah. just like, it's not like point A to point B yeah. mm. there. It, it explains why they have to go through certain things. It also explains why it's like an open air ship out in space, but if they don't dive into it, they're not like, it doesn't become part of the plot. It's just a line. And I agree with you. It's a movie where you can look in any corner yeah. away from yeah. the main thing. And there's like interesting stuff going on, mm. which is, and, a, I will say a dramatic difference from the original material. Yes, because the voyage from England to wherever Treasure Island is, is like Mm -hmm. that. Oh, the voyage. It just happens because they're I mean, we'll assume they're crossing the Atlantic. It's never clear, but we'll assume they're just crossing the Atlantic and it's just over. Right. There are a couple of significant plot moments that happen, but there's really no time spent describing what that sea voyage is like. Right. Like there's a few events that happen, but yeah, there are there are like moments that happen, but there's none of the the journey doesn't really exist. It's right. just a beats and then they're there. Mm-hmm. So do we want to dive in and start going into this? Yeah, sure. I I guess I should also mention I don't believe I've seen this one. Ooh. It's funny because you keep saying I don't believe I've well, seen it. Well, because what happened was, it was Atlantis I was confusing or... I was confusing this with Atlantis. Yep, fair, and fair. Then we saw Atlantis, and I was like, oh, I've definitely seen Atlantis. So I'm pretty sure I have not seen this mm-hmm. one because I think I thought, like, I keep switching them. But we'll find out after I watch it. I'll, I'll see <laughs> if I remember what surprised me that this was on your podcast, because for some reason, I did not think this was a Disney movie. Oh. What did you and think I, it was? Well, did, did I, you... here's I, – so I will admit, I'm not – a big animation like i don't know all the studios so i didn't right. have an alternate studio in mind right, right okay but it just never it, i don't remember it ever being marketed as a disney movie i don't remember it being super branded as a disney movie it just was like a thing that appeared and then frankly disappeared we'll yeah, go into why yeah. in a second here, yeah. why. i'm curious to see what you folks have turned up about it because i yes. the, yeah. like brief amount that i read i was like oh yes. yeah yeah so it came out in 2002, and it received a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, so we always kind of cover that, I've, which isn't the worst and obviously isn't the best as far as numbers go, but it's not like the lowest, I don't think. 
here's a question about that. Do you do they have a cutoff? Like, is it only reviews that occur within six months of its release that matter for that rating, or does it change over? Probably, time? but I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, sure. that I'm not sure. That's a great question. Because this seems like one of those movies that, based on its like scandalous release, might have received some criticism. Yes. That, looking back at, might not have been warranted. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the top. I think we went over this in the Lilo and Stitch episode. We the did. Top three movies that year: Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which came out the same weekend mm. as this. Oh mm. wow! And Spider Man. So that's the kind of stuff. I mean, next up is Attack of the Clones, Men in Black Two. I mean, they're going up against yeah. heavy. Well, and Lilo and Stitch was the other Disney movie. So this is yes. the. I have it here. The fifth time. Since 1940, where two Disney animated classics come out Mm -hmm. the same year. Mm. 1940, it was Pinocchio and Fantasia. 1977, it was The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and The Rescuers came out the same year. Yeah, but Winnie the Pooh is the one where they stitch together a bunch of stuff yeah. to make a movie. 1999 was Tarzan and Fantasia 2000 because it came out in 99 right. instead of 2000. Mm. Uh, 2000 was Dinosaur and Emperor's New Groove and then this and Lilo and Stitch. Yes, and, and Lilo so- and Stitch goes on to make a decent amount of money, especially since it was at a much smaller budget than this. Yes. Uh, do you want to go in? Do you have numbers of the budget? I read something like $140 million that's for the what budget. I, that's what but- I saw too. Yes, the budget was 140 million. They did. They didn't make that. No, back. give me one second. Uh, they made like 109 worldwide, not just low, not just domestic worldwide. This to the 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 thing I saw, which there, it's this is since, especially since a lot of our info, you know, one of the things I've developed since working through this is like I need to look at the Disney documentary and then some other documentary yeah. stuff. Yeah. And this one, Disney doesn't have a lot to offer. In fact, the one I saw had Roy Disney giving the most like half-hearted, like, welcome to the art of animation. This is a movie where we also included CGI. The many animators and magicians at Disney will now show you how long John Silver happened. Like, he just seems like so... And at the end, he like hawks a book. He's like, if you enjoy this, please check out our art of animation book. We're trying to recoup some of the cost of this movie. Oh, no, he my, doesn't say yeah, that. But but, still, Ron, yeah, but still. Totally, this, we bought that bootleg CD and we should have been buying a real version that's what well, happened i was gonna say that's the other weird thing this came out in 2002 we were in australia in 2003 i remember when i got this i'm like oh man i forgot about this movie and it had yeah. come out like literally in november like this came yeah. out in, like thanksgiving and i, I was had like, some oh, theories yeah. i have some theories about why that happened so we uh it, it is the to date the most expensive hand-drawn movie to ever exist. made to exist yeah. so that's part of the reason is again Lilo and Stitch is, is going at it at a, the saying, you get less money than we normally give. What can you do with it? Well, they and they knocked it, knocked out, it out, out of the park. park. Yeah. yeah. And then this one is like, we're going to give you all this money. It's like, oh, no. Because this was a passion project of the directors, Ron Clements and John Musker. Yes. Now, they have done... Little uh, Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Before that was Great Mouse Detective, mm-hmm. Aladdin, Hercules... Atlantis, Atla- right? No, they okay. didn't do Atlantis. No, they didn't do Atlantis. Um, Sorry. I think after Aladdin, Aladdin, Hercules, and then this one. Oh, okay. And then they go on to do Princess and the Frog and Moana, and then they retire. Mm. Um, so I, this is their low point, but this is the one. They were pitching this back as early as 1985. Yes, I was reading 85 or 87, somewhere in there, yeah. Back when they were doing, I don't know if we talked about this. We talked about, do we talk about the gong show and that like, Eisner was like, okay, anybody can pitch anything. I, yeah, I believe right. so. And, yeah. then, and then he'll just go, no, we can't do that. And they pitched this, 
And he said, and there was at that time, there was a script going around Paramount Paramount for uh, a Star Trek movie that had a treasure island feel. Mm hmm. And Eisner had just come from Paramount. So he goes, no, we can't do that. They're going to do this and it's going to be old mm-hmm. hat. And then then another one said, well, what if we do The Little Mermaid? He goes, no, no, no. We just did Splash. We can't have two mermaid movies. And then eventually, I think Katzenberg or, or somebody turned around and said, go ahead and try doing the, the mermaid one. And then that turned their thing. But after every movie they did, they go, can we now do Treasure Planet? And they're like, what if you do Aladdin instead? And they're like, okay, we did Aladdin. Can we do Treasure Planet? And they're like... What if you did Hercules? So this is like a passion project. So this kind of sucks for them that their passion project did so poorly. Well, and I don't know if we... This might be a good point to kind of dive into the book a little bit and then talk Mm -hmm. about the animation process. The other thing I wanted to mention, I mentioned this in Lilo and Stitch. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature. So was Lilo and Stitch. Mm -hmm. Spirited Away is what won that year. Uh, But they, they were both up against one another in this category. Uh, this apparently, too, I came across, it's the second retelling of the story in space, in a space setting. Uh, there was, was the a 1987 one? Italian Ministries Treasure Island in Outer Space. <laughs> it was so, just called oh, Treasure man. Island in, in Outer, outer space. space. So I know nothing more than that. Okay. I just read that fact. I did not look anything up. So that's out there if you want to ministries is that what you said that's what it said that sounds like it's a government funded yeah i don't know like i said i have no more information which i mean that that makes sense because i feel like a lot of times they go we want to encourage filmmaking in our country it's not necessarily a government movie it's just we're going to give you money to do this movie yeah so like i said i i know nothing else there's a there's a after uh Peter Jackson did the Lord of the Rings in New Zealand was like, we want more New Zealand movies. They gave all this money to a, uh, a movie called black sheep, which is like the government injects some sort of mutagen into black sheep and they become killer black sheep. So oh that's what I'm saying. It's a government movie. It doesn't necessarily mean it has value. It's just yeah. the government has gone here to have some money, make a yeah. movie. <laughs> so what I have for the book and then obviously Travis, I'd love um, your input on this, but I have that. It was, I looked, it was originally titled The Sea Cook, A Story yeah. for Boys. Yeah. So that was Which the original I is, title. I think it's really important that, that like the shift in the focus of the story, because it was first to be about John Silver, which yes. I think is really like where it ends up anyway. But yeah, so it was going to be The Sea Cook. Yeah. So it was focused on that and its influence uh, on popular perception of pirates. So a lot of what we know today comes from this mm-hmm. story, like when we think of other pirate stories, and they said including the elements as treasure maps with like the X marks the spot, talk about the black spot, tropical islands, one-legged uh, pirates with parrots on their shoulder, that kind of a thing. So that's really, I didn't do a deep dive into the book because I know you've recently reread it, so I just kind of wanted to get your input as well. And Ryan, have you ever read the book? So I, I know I, there was like, do you remember there were comic books that were like comics of like, they were really like painted looking frames, but it was like, I had a couple of them. I think it was my mom's attempt to be like, you should read these. Like it was like Robinson the classics, Crusoe but it, yeah. and Treasure Island. And it was like classics that were also done as comics. I think I read that. Hmm. Um, I think I had, remember how I think in Atlantis, I said I had like a 20,000 leagues under the sea. There was a similar like, it was Treasure Island, but it was the same, like, company or, like, style of mm. book. And then I think I, when I was older, I tried to read it. And I remember just, like, I think I, it was one of those books where I went, I should read this. 
And there were sections where I was like, okay, now they're on the island. Okay, now I'm going to do like I was just kind of like skipping through a lot of it. So my, I will say, Ryan, that was definitely my impression going back and rereading it. Because mm-hmm. something that I had to remind myself is that it was not initially published as a novel. Oh, was it? Uh, it was serialized. Yeah, okay. Right? And that I think something like the first 12 chapters were written in 10 days. Like he basically had a nephew. On like a rum. Yeah, yeah. he had a nephew, some family friends, got really inspired sort of collapsed all of these historical references into these characters, condensing them down, making composites. So he drew from all these people he knew and these people that were, that existed in sort of the cultural knowledge and then just mm-hmm. sort of wrote out this story. And so it, it is. It's like each chapter ends and sometimes it's just the character stops talking and it's over. And then the next chapter will start in the next <laughs> sentence and you're like, and off we go again. Uh, yeah. And we should, I should mention, it was Robert Louis Stevenson mm-hmm. who wrote the story in 1883 is what I had for the yeah. date that it came out. Um, but that is really interesting that it kind of just like stops and starts like yes. that with each chapter. Because I'm and, sure it was like, we'll take five pages and print it. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. And it's clearly, it's clearly written to be that story for boys, right? That's that mm-hmm. that little part of the title. Because, you know, Jim Hawkins is our protagonist who is the least memorable character in literature history. Like, who cares? <laughs> this guy is so, he's just dry. But yes. you can you can clearly put yourself in his shoes as you're going through the right. adventure and doing all of the stuff. He's almost a non-person for that reason. And you were calling this an adventure for boys. That was a big push of Disney around this time. Is like that's why you see Atlantis and this. There was like, we well, don't it was do a push for this movies. science fiction. I think they yeah. tried to. They tried this sci-fi fantasy. They tried it with Atlantis. They tried it with this, and then they kind of they neither even tried one with Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, like, yeah, and then neither two out of the three didn't do so well. But mm. I I commend them for going here because we talked about this in Atlantis, and I hope. This one holds up in a similar way where Atlantis, we really recommend it because there's so many kids out there that are interested in that genre, right? And as like an animated, like, you know, to to send children who have that interest, like to send Mm -hmm. them to the back to these movies. And I'm hoping the same holds true for this. I am going to like put myself out there because I've seen parts of this more recently than I think you guys are. I don't know if I sit down and watch the Well, I may have never seen it. Right. (laughs) Um... My memory is terrible. I think this is a legit good movie. I think it just came out at a wrong time. I think there was, you know, this is also after Shrek came out. And I've talked about this a bunch where Shrek is now moving in this cynical direction where Mm -hmm. it's like, why would I want to watch this like earnest, like, I want to see the stars movie when I can see Shrek fart and make fun of Disney over here. Like, like, that's what we're moving towards. And I think is sullied uh child you know uh, animated movies for a while after Mm -hmm. this um well i also have some things that i found interesting this was the first film to be simultaneously released in regular um theaters and imax hmm. so you could have so you could have seen it in imax so i'm curious listeners let us know if anyone out there has seen it in imax i don't know i don't know anyone who saw this in in theater i guess yeah. yeah let us know if you saw it in a theater because uh, that would be fun too. But I also found how they did the movie very interesting. It took 10 years to make. So it took mm-hmm. a very long time to make. And they used hand-drawn 2D traditional animation. But they set that on top of 3D commu- computer animation. Not only that, but sometimes they then went on to put 
3D computer animation on top of that. Like, yeah. long, uh, Silver's arm and leg and part of his eye are CGI. Yes. And there's versions where they just drew it out, but then they went over. And one of the way, did you see how they uh, tested that? With Peter Pan. Yeah, with Captain Hook. Yeah. They do a whole scene with Captain Hook. like, you go to the island, so- bring back Tinkerbell. And he does like the whole scene. Yeah. And then they... They went into the archives and, and it was got his those. arm without the hook that yes. they used so they as had, a cyborg. So then they I've go seen and they the put, stills. I've not seen the actual. I've got a video of it. And it's very cool because they do the whole. Because he's doing a lot of very expressive stuff because he's talking very stupidly to, to Sneak. He's like, you go yeah. do. And he's doing all this stuff and then they made a CGI arm. So it's that whole scene. Well, and what I read, I have that villain's book. I, it was Glenn Keane and Eric Daniels who mm-hmm. worked on John Silver. And they worked for more than three years, and apparently they tried out something like 500 versions of the character, which is wild. Like, it was overwhelming the amount of versions they had for this character. But they felt that they wanted to flawlessly create what we see in the film, and then that's where they started using Peter Pan Mm -hmm. to test out this layering technique. They also, interestingly enough, they make uh, maquettes for these characters, like the big clay Yes, things. I read this. Yeah. They, th- this was one of the first maquettes to use. Uh, they said this one matches art and 3D animation because they use 3D printed parts. They use plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I my his... fact was they used laser technology. Ooh. Yeah. It was really... The, <laughs> so I think, so they go, we, we printed out these parts and it like raised out of this liquid and like dripped off and i'm like what is that because now yeah. we have the 3d printers that's just like a block of plastic and they like carve away well and you it. can like go buy a 3d printer at costco or whatever you well, know what i yeah. mean like yeah looking at how expensive this was and how long it took to make yeah. and how much technical innovation went into sort of creating their artistic vision my question's always been well what did they do with that next Right. Because usually when you spend this kind of money to push the frontiers of what's possible, it then gets applied later on and perhaps a more successful version. If this one's a flop, do they take what they learned and then it goes somewhere else? Well, it's interesting because I feel like in a lot of like uh, uh, television animation that goes on now, I've seen it in Bob's Burgers, I've seen it in Archer and things like that. There's a lot of things of like, how do we marry these two? Like mm-hmm. there's there's there, there's another avenue where I feel like and, and someone much more well-versed in animation could probably say this better. But like there's a lot like Archer and Bob's Burgers are pretty much computer animated shows in a lot of ways. The technology just allows it to look more hand-drawn. Yeah. But sometimes you'll be watching those shows like, like Teen Titans and stuff where they jump in a car and they drive off and the car is clearly a CGI car that's been like I can tell because of the way it moves and I know hand animation hand animation kind of jumps more and this is more smooth like I think it's because like after this movie like hand animation as a like film theater experience goes you know the way of the dodo Mm -hmm. you don't see it as much but I think it it there's a lot of CGI hand animation or animation that looks more hand-drawn versus, you know, the traditional CGI in other forms of animation, the 30-minute show, you know, the the straight-to-DVD, those yeah. things. Like, we just don't see it on the screen as much. And it's it's the, the idea behind it is for you to go, oh, I don't notice the difference between these two. Like, they're not like, look how cool this is. Yeah. And in this one, it's like, since it's new, they were kind of like, look at look at all this thing that's going to take you a little bit out of the experience, right? Like, I think that was kind of a mistake to go look at how we did this. Yeah, I think the idea of, of the mistakes that were made, again, this is me remembering, right? This is not mm-hmm. this is not a fresh take yet uh, <laughs> on this movie. 
Um, but one of the things that I had not pieced together until I started looking at it was that the following year would be the start of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Yes. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. So Disney had in its pipeline this whole pirate narrative that they were ready to launch into the world. And I just kind of wonder, was that part of the reason that this sort of got sandbagged a little? That they that they didn't want to be telling huh. that same story? They wanted to keep those two ideas separate enough? I just, I don't know. Well, they did have a sequel planned for this. Yes. And William Defoe was supposed to be a villainous iron beard. It was. But it was canceled due to failure at the box office. Mm-hmm. But you got to wonder, like you're saying, did Pirates and Pirates, the original, had such a huge success at the theater so you do have to wonder Would, if that played into it in some way someday we will do pirates movies but would yeah. you like to hear an awesome fact about the pirates movies i heard recently <laughs> Let's sure do you guys know who jack sparrow was originally written for no uh-uh. oh wait keith richards nope no who matthew mcconaughey oh boy really because he was doing reign of fire See that the, makes sense. Do you know the to movie me. Rain of Fire where it's like no. oh, dragons yes. come back oh, and then yes. it's like ten years in the future? Okay, so Disney was seeing the the like they were seeing. The, I think that was a Touchstone film or it was something where they were yeah. seeing that stuff and being like, because I, I feel like that was around the time when we didn't know what to do with Matthew McConaughey. Is that and Matthew were, McConaughey and Christian Bale fighting dragons? Yes. Yeah, I definitely saw that movie like four times. <laughs> yes. So they were watching that and being like, this is great. This is going to do great. This is, you know, Matthew McConaughey is an action star. And so they were like working on the movie and they go right, right apart from Matthew McConaughey in there. And then that movie bombed and McConaughey started doing like rom-coms. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, never mind. And then they brought in Johnny Depp and said, these are the things we're working on. We'd like to work with you. And he, they're like, well, this one's based on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. You won't want to do that. And he's like, I actually really want to do that one. I want to be a pirate. So that's how that comes about. Which, anyway. Which the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, right? That comes from Treasure Island. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Like, like what I what I did not appreciate, and I, and I think the story itself is a, somewhat of a victim of its own success. And that... Long John Silver and the portrayal of pirates and the narrative of being a pirate that Robert Louis Stevenson put into that novel became so ubiquitous in our understanding of what pirates were that to go back to the story now, it just seems commonplace because Mm -hmm, we can't appreciate what it was that he was inventing because it's just what we think of when we think of a pirate. Yeah, that's true. It's like when I tell people to watch The Sopranos and they don't understand how great it is because it was the first movie, the first TV show to do all that stuff. <laughs> to do all the things that things like Breaking Bad and all these other shows, yes. like yeah, expanded on. Uh, we I think mentioned this before we started recording, but this was Disney's third adaptation of Treasure Island. There was the 1950 Treasure Island, which Travis, you said you just watched. Oh boy, oh boy, did it. <laughs> yep. Was it uh, bad or did it just, was it, did it not no. hold so up? Here's, or? Actually, Tara, here's a question for you. This is, this is something I want to know about because the third, well, go ahead tell, say what the third one is and then I'll ask my question. Oh yeah. So the second one is Muppets, Treasure Island, and then this is the third yes. one. Right. So one of the things that seems to change in almost every telling of this story is the ending. Right. That was my, going to be my question to you. Because they don't, no one seems satisfied with John Silver's story. And it's always his piece of the story that changes. And so the 1950s one is not what the book does. What does the book do? So the book lets him like, they sort of get almost back to England and he manages to steal away maybe enough money to put aside. It's like 
for two years of living. And he has a wife who manages his affairs and sold all of his <laughs> stuff when he left the England in the first time. And they just like, it's assumed that they sneak off to live this life of quiet retirement that he'd been talking about the whole time. And, you know, Jim Hawkins is like, well, I hope he enjoys it because he's going to hell afterwards. So, like, there's this whole moral play that happens about what his future is. But you don't know. You don't really know where he ends up. And then what did they do in the 1951? In the 1950s movie, the, he manages to, like, steal a boat as they're leaving the island. Uh, and he just kind of, like, sails off into the sunset. And they're like, well, I guess he died. So I think the that's stealing a boat so, thing is, like, That's what, Muppets Treasure Island. He gets on the spoiler. boat, but there's a hole in the boat. Yes. And oh. so it's, like, sinking as he's because leaving I, with I think treasure. It, I think but the a whole, similar thing to the 1950s hmm. one where... I think the whole point is, and we should address this, and we should get to the movie here in a sec. <laughs> but, um... Is he the villain? Like the point of him is he's the bad guy through so much of the movie, but you like him. And in yeah, and some mean, they consider him the villain in the Disney's villain. Book, I think he but... is. Like even though you'll see what happens to him in this one, I still think he's the bad guy. And we'll discuss that when we get to the end of who we rank. But I think that's part of the Tim Curry version. The Tim Curry version, he's clearly the bad guy. And even yeah. at the end, when Jim's like, "Go, go on," and lets him go with some of the treasure. They still want to give him a comeuppance as a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And so they put a hole in his boat and, you know, yeah. it's like comedy. But he's such a likable bad guy. And, mm-hmm. like, at least in the movies, I think the whole point is, like, by the end you're like, oh, he's such a he's, – he's a pirate. And I think everyone has that little bit of, like, you know, on the surface you're like, oh, I want to be a pirate. But you want to be this type of pirate. You don't want to be a real pirate where it's like – I'm losing limbs and the scurvy so, means my teeth this, are falling out. Yeah. I have to say, Ryan, that, that Ryan and Tara, to both of you, that regardless of whether or not this movie is as good as I remember it, I appreciate coming onto this podcast, if only for the reason that it has forced me to look more closely at the story of pirates <laughs> and how we as a culture have told that story. Because I was like that. I was sort of really ambivalent. I was like, pirates are kind of <laughs> people. Like, they kill people. They're amoral they do all of this right. stuff yeah uh but you go back and you look at it and you know pirates not great but they came from this the war between the english and the spanish where the english crown gave people a legal permission to steal stuff from the yes. spanish to stop the war right and then when the war was over those people they didn't have anything Kept doing to do it. <laughs> And England was like, we're not going to pay you a pension. We're not going to give you jobs. And so the only skill they had was sailing ships and killing people. So they were like, well, that's my job now. Yeah. Uh, Uh But without any government, the ships functioned as a business and as a nation. So they got to choose their own laws. They got to follow their own rules. They got to, like, elect leaders if that's what was happening. They had their own Women had opportunities. Like, it was... All across the spectrum, black and white, like everybody could come and be a pirate and do their thing so long as they played by whatever the ship's rules were. And what I didn't appreciate about that is that when you're talking about like 50 years later, people in America going, hey, I don't like the English. What's a model we can use? There's some evidence that the like pirate republic that was formed in Nassau was the closest example of how you could fight back the English and the model that could be used and how to incentivize people. So there was like this working practice, practically practicing democracy in the Caribbean under this pirate rule that was a part of the fire that lit the American Revolution was that direct experience of what it was like to have self-government through 
elected processes. See, it's wild. I, this is why I wanted to have Travis on. And I think <laughs> Travis is like, I'm worried I don't have anything to say. And I'm like, Travis is going to have something that I'm going to yeah, be like, no, this is great. that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally really did not. And so I, it really changed my perspective on what what pirates mean culturally. And it's not just the dark stuff. It was really the only option for social mobility, upward movement. Like, right. it meant a lot in its time. I have a couple things to look out for as you watch this film. Jim's mother sits on the bed to read a book to him on and on his bookshelf stitches in a spacesuit. Real quick, so two things. For that. Do you remember who played his mother? Emma no. Laura Laura Metcalf Laurie Metcalf. So oh. it's Andy's mom. And two, what be on lookout for this. Uh Jim's mom, kind of a hottie. <laughs> oh boy. Just want to put that out there. Uh another thing to look out for, uh the B E N Ben, but it's yes. like B pure B yeah. Sings a few bars from the Pirates ride. So that mm. ties back into the ride that uh, we were talking about with the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then also on the planet in Ben's cave, Dr. Doppler says the phrase, dang it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I am, but it's a doctor and it's not the same thing. <laughs> Apparently, that's a reference to Star Trek. Yeah. In 1966, Dr. Leonard H. Bones McCoy uh, says something similar to that. I love that you don't know Star Trek. I know so nothing that, about like... Star Trek, but I like to, <laughs> for those who enjoy Star Trek, I like to share for it. For the record, what you just said was akin to uh, Chewbacca? Like, I figured, like... <laughs> yeah, I figured it was a big deal character, yes. but I was like, I don't know who this character is. Uh, the other thing I have is we always talk about when the animators go places. This one's funny, where they go. They go to the they... ride? No. Oh. <laughs> they For John Silver, because he's the cook the animators visited benihana <laughs> you know <laughs> you know you say that i do have a really clear memory of him wielding that knife pretty yeah that's his, that's so his intro is his it. arms sure. changing they yeah, take yeah, yeah. note of how he chops this like when okay. he's yep. chopping the shrimp okay. so look out for that that you know if you've gone to a benihana or I, something like a benihana i think we're laughing because it's like of course of course they went to a benihana yeah but they always go places and obviously this one isn't like they didn't go to africa they didn't but they I will <laughs> say what feels like happened is they're like, man, I really want to go to Benihana. How can we write it off How as an we, expense? Yeah. Well, they had 10 years to figure it out. That so. is true. That is exactly. true. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention here, this isn't something to look out for, but um, we were talking about the animation earlier and the ship was created using Disney's deep canvas process. Do mm. you have anything on that? Deep canvas was the thing they used for uh, Tarzan. Oh, going okay. through so that way instead of having like the multi-plane ca- plane camera the idea was this infinite Got it. you know I couldn't uh, remember what it was uh, I forget which axis this is it's probably X Y so probably Z probably the axis going into the thing so when he's like there's things where he's running through so it looks like it gives it more depth and it feels mm-hmm. like he's running through but yeah that's what they used when Tarzan was swinging through the dun- so, jungle so yeah so for the ship they use the deep canvas process some and some scenes use all three types of anima- animation that appear simultaneously so what's the third type hand drawn cgi and and the deep canvas process i guess oh, okay, they okay, consider okay, yeah. as the third uh, it's probably a combo, yeah. Yeah, so that was just something else as we were talking about animation I wanted to include, but I think that's everything. I so have. the one thing I want to share with the group real quick, and Tara, if you could please keep from looking at the, uh, Don't look at the screen, screen for just oh, a moment. okay. Um, let me first bring this up. So do you guys know Madame Tussauds? Yeah. Sure. 
So the thing with Madame Tussauds is their big thing is is making these wax figures that are are so identical to the uh, uh, the the uh, they're lifelike. They're lifelike. Mm-hmm. So Treasure Planet had the first two Madame Tussauds characters that were fictional characters, not only fictional characters, but not like. Do they continue to do animated they, characters? They'll do so, like the Hulk is one, and, oh, and Chewbacca, I didn't know that. and they'll do things like that. But this is the one where they flat out did an animated character. So I wanted to show you guys real oh, quick. Boy. Tell um, me when I can look. Yes, one second. Let me share the screen. So there is Emma Thompson with <laughs> Jim Hawkins. Oh my gosh! Uh, at the uh, so that oh looks kind of isn't it just weird that it's like not quite human? Yeah. And then of course we also have John Silver. Oh my uh, gosh! I kind of like him. Which I also there it is oh <laughs> right up close. Oh my gosh! I thought it was just weird enough to why, to share. And why why start with the that's just because I, so I think they went. It's Disney. It's by the makers of Little Mermaid. This is gonna kill. And um, they just didn't know that the movie wasn't going to do well. I don't like, think anyone knew they... it was going to be this No, bad. but I yeah. mean, when did they put I mean, out these characters? Do you think it, it timed with the release of the kind film? Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this, like I said, this movie went up against uh, Harry Potter 2, which is early enough that it's like, well, we didn't know it was going to like beat out Disney stuff, maybe. I mean, this movie effectively is what kills Disney animation, because I think after this, it's just like, let's just, there are like you know, two or three things that are still in production that are, you can't stop them at this point. If I look, I think the up next is, is brother bear. Yeah. Let's see that I've got the episode. It's brother it's bear, brother bear and home on the little. range. Chicken oh, little is, 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 is CGI animation, which oh, they can do for much okay. cheaper. And that has been proven through, you know, that's when they start doing that. But the, the, yeah. the last two hand animated ones they have, they're like, well, we can't go any further on this. So let's, we can't hmm. like pull back. Let's at least get them out and recoup some money. But mm-hmm. this kills it because of how much money it loses. Now, again, to say, I think this is a legitimately good movie. Not like, I think this is, we're going to enjoy this. I think yeah. no one here is going to be like, oh. now, I will say on this podcast, rarely do we watch a movie and go, I don't like it. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, are you guys ready then? Yes. Let's do it. Let's uh, take the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. See you on the other side, listeners. Yo, yo, ho, ho, (laughs) listeners. Yar, tis, tis your favorite podcasters. Oh my. We've returned from Treasure Planet and just in the nick of time too. Whew, just, that was close. Just in the nick of time. I know. I I still enjoy this movie. I understand why people are like, eh, it's fine. And I think that might be your perspective. Yes, I enjoyed it. I I think I'm with Travis that I really enjoyed the world building and all these extra characters and how creative they were with everything. Ben was my favorite character, mm-hmm. and I I enjoyed it overall. But I grew up with a nostalgia for Muppet Muppet Treasure Treasure Island. Island. So there were so many moments where I was like, oh, I just want to go to Muppet's Treasure Island. And that's Disney. And that's just, you know, four years. Yeah. So I guess that's like six years before this. So that's got to be fresh. In a lot of people's minds. But I did enjoy it. But it wasn't. I wasn't, I'm not raving about it. And I'm not like I'd never watch it again. I'm somewhere in between. I Mm -hmm. would watch it again. 
I I like it. I like the build. I think mostly when I rewatch it, I rewatch scenes or I rewatch character introductions or things like that. Because I liked all the characters. Sans one. Uh, we'll get. I think Travis would like to be the one to approach to, to <laughs> yeah, broach we'll that subject. Uh, but Travis, what did you think on your rewatch? Uh, you know, it is. Uh, uh, what I did remember about it was accurate. Um, I think there was a lot to. Oh, it wasn't great. I think I'm kind of with you that it just it's not a movie. You know, I've owned that DVD now for nearly 20 years, and maybe maybe this will be the end of it. Maybe I won't own oh, that DVD wow. any longer. <laughs> <laughs> What if you just broke it in half on the air? <laughs> You're like, I'm done. <laughs> That's the end of um, this. I so wow. Okay, I feel like I might have liked it the most because I would watch it again. I, I it's it's. I just think it's a fun movie. I uh, um. I think there are some shining moments in it for hmm. sure. I think as a whole. The, yes. It kind of. And it was interesting when I was looking up uh, videos on it and kind of trying to do my research where. Uh, I felt like the two videos that were available were um, this is a perfect movie and, and it's ridiculous if you don't like it. Whoa. And this is the worst movie Disney has put out since the Black Cauldron. And I think it I don't lies somewhere in between yeah, those two Yeah, I think extremes. it's somewhere in between. I think there sure. are failings of this movie. Um, I think there are successes, but I don't think it's a failure. Or I mean, objectively, it's a, it's a financial failure. Yeah. Yes. It did well critically. But this, I can see why this didn't make money. And I was wrong, listeners. It turns out there are plenty of toots in this movie. Yes. This is a very toot movie. I know. You were movie. saying go to Shrek for the toots. No, nope. you can come right to Treasure yeah. Island. Mm-hmm. Treasure Miss, Planet. Mr. Zoth? Yes. Who yes. disappears mysteriously. I think he's part of the crew. We'll get to mm. it. But I made a note about how she... I- she gets rid of half the crew pretty quickly. But. I think. I think here's here. I think I would have liked this movie a lot more if they hadn't tried to use the framework of Treasure Island to tell it. I think if they had just like taken the creativity and the world building and that part that they had so clearly in their minds, and they'd used the, their own story and didn't feel like they had to kind of shoehorn in some of these moments, it might have been. It, it just might have been a a more engaging story. I think that's it a would... good point. Yeah, to use the general idea of Treasure Island, but not necessarily like follow it, and it doesn't follow it beat for beat, but it does hit it's pretty the big close. plot points. Yeah. yeah, I, I think the big failing this movie had was Jim Hawkins. I think Ooh, you're right, goodness. and not just, not just the the physical appearance, which well, Travis should not be quiet about <laughs> during the whole movie. It's a, well, it's there. And I will say, Travis, you mentioned, you know, he's a nothing character Mm -hmm. in the original story. Kind of the same in Muppets Treasure Island. He's not your favorite character in Mm -hmm. that either. Uh, And so I think, yeah... There is no one in in the history of the world. All the Muppets, you have Tim Curry. So, and I think in this, you have Silver. I, I really Mm -hmm. like Silver in this a lot. It's Silver's story as is, but. If you're going to do that, like, I think the problem is if you're going to have an interesting character arc through Silver, Jim Hawkins needs to be likable from the beginning, and I don't think he is. Yeah. I think yes. when he gets caught by the cops and his poor mother, you made the point about his mother, and I guess we're just diving into the story real quick. <laughs> his his mother owns the inn and is like bags under eyes trying to keep this thing together. You know, it just seems like she's overworked. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a single mother. 
when he gets caught, he's kind of like, it's a real bummer that I just can't solar sail through the industrial zone. And it's not like, Mom, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I think if he was more like Mea Culpa, I screwed up. Yeah. Like, he'd be a more int- well, a character that you'd like. I think in the beginning, when he's a little boy, I think you connect to him more as that little boy yeah. interested in the story than you do when you see him when he's older. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the story starts. We have the character of Frollo. I don't know that actor's it's, name. It's Tony J, but it's, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does the narration, and it opens up on this battle scene, and we find out it's actually Jim reading well, this story. So originally it was going to be just a prelude battle scene, but they did kind of the same thing they did with, what was it, Atlantis, where they're like, we need to introduce characters. Hmm. Yeah. So they did the thing where Jim's giant, do you think he was cuter as a baby? He was cuter as a baby. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So his cute face comes like popping up in the background and I was like, whoa, what is this? Because I'd forgotten this part. Yeah, that he was actually reading the book. But then we talked about uh, his age. How old is he in the original story? I think, so in the original story, he is clearly a child. Like everyone refers to him as a child, which means he's got to be less than 12 or 13. And I'd say he's probably like 10, 10 or 11. Yeah, and in this one... We thought he was between 17 and 19 when mm-hmm. he ages up. But from the wiki that I looked up quickly, he's supposed to be, what did I say? 15. 15. 15. Because it says 12 years later, yeah. which would mean using was three math that he was three. And at the beginning, he's like, Mother, Captain Flint, do you believe in Treasure Planet? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. let me run the... the, uh-huh. the the books on the end. He's giving us Shakespearean dialogue at first. Yes. And he's, yeah. And I was like, wait a second. I've seen three year olds. Also, you wanted to talk about, Ryan, you wanted to talk about the backgrounds. I don't know if you want to talk about it here, but it opens up on this really beautiful galaxy Mm. background when, and it kind of just cuts right to the opening sequence. It says the title of the film, and then we jump into the narration. Travis was really pointing out the backgrounds and how beautiful the galaxies look and stuff there was a uh school of art that kind of did like classic like the treasure island illustration like the most famous illustrations of treasure island and those kind of things called the brandywine school of art i'm not sure where it was but it was near something called the brandywine river and Mm, that's what they were trying to hobbiton i believe in hobbiton doesn't that sound like yeah (laughs) um and uh they were trying to to uh imitate that like that those painted backgrounds and have Mm. them feel like that which i think you know they did to to really good effect Mm -hmm. yeah i think so too i also liked that treasure planet was a planet with two it had an x on it it had an x on it with the rings Mm -hmm. around the Mm -hmm. planet are they just called rings like the rings of saturn i guess but Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, So that's kind of, we find all that out very early on. And then that's where it kind of cuts to this inn. Uh, And Travis, you mentioned some other things about the Victorian sadness in the novel versus it being very cheery here. And I do want to kind of mention those when they're opposite one it another did, it did feel like it, right? So, I, so like the, the inn is presented as perhaps down on its luck. But like it's got bustling business and she's working yeah. hard. But there are lots of patrons in the inn. I mean, I don't even know if it's even down on its luck. It's just she's overworked because I'm, just her son her is supposed, I'm assuming Jim isn't working. Yeah, he's at not all. there bussing tables. Yeah. He's out yeah. solar sailing. You know, again, why I'm you know, and maybe it's because I turn uh, a forty in a in a mere week and a half. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why isn't the like he should be respecting his mother? She's she's a struggling businesswoman. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> My, my whole views on like the I'm sure uh, maybe kid with 15 is like he just wants to skateboard <laughs> like, yeah they really more. hype the angsty teen angle when they're trying yeah. to like yeah 
Which I think isn't really a good Disney. Like Disney doesn't do that. I mean, I guess you look back at uh, Little Mermaid is probably the next one where it's like, I just want to be married to a man with legs. Like, I mean, yeah. don't we all? But, but that's like, I want to be taken out of this place, and I think hmm. that's what they were trying to do with him. But like, it didn't come across. He wasn't like at the port trying to get on a boat and go somewhere. He was just causing a general disturbance. Yeah. Well, and it. I don't think they got across that he wanted the adventure. Yeah. I think if they had done it yeah. more of like he just wants to go on adventures, right? That's what it seems like when he's a child. He but just felt just... like a thrill seeker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you also mentioned this, Travis, that in the original story, he's a model child. Like yeah. he does everything right. He doesn't <laughs> get into trouble. Quote. He's, a, <laughs> he's, like, a, he's model. a model. Yeah, it's so like, really? <laughs> in the 1800s. It's like Zoolander <laughs> in... Uh... <laughs> yeah, because I, I think that part of... Part of the like genre of writing that that was was it was meant to be these stories for good boys and girls, right? So mm. your protagonist character is someone who inadvertently finds themselves in all these exciting you know situations, but basically gets there by following the rules or doing what's right. Yeah. Uh, it's the circumstances that make things perilous or dangerous or whatever, but it's not them choosing really to like misbehave. And so you have that real contrast with what Jim Hawkins is that we're given because he seems to be the person who's always trying to break the rules. He's always trying to get himself out there. It's just it's a marked difference in how they're choosing to portray that character. Do you remember how what Jim Hawkins Muppet and and I'm going to make this call now are the mini soda after this is going to be Muppet Treasure. Yes, it has to be. Um, But do you remember his motivation? Like, was he like just an adventurer? I remember him having like, the softest, most like he's a uh, very soft spoken. Well, it's mm. also just he's got a very what is that boys choir where they're all high up? It's oh, like a the German. Castrati? Oh no, not uh, the not, <laughs> but um, the one. It's like the the the, the Vienna boys choir. Vienna, thank yes. you. I was like, yeah, the Vienna boys choir. It's all like oh, Marie. Like I yeah. remember, like everyone else is singing, and he's very like I want to say. Like he's yeah, got just he a very because he's a child. Well, yeah, like the year bef- the year after that, he's probably like, oh, I'm from Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> like, he's probably got a very low voice. I feel like he's right on the cusp I, of puberty. I feel like there was something there about his father. Hmm. There's some. There's a connection where Silver, I think, knew his father. And I don't remember if that's Silver. Which feels very Pirates of the Caribbean. Silver scamming him or if that's truth. Well, Kermit says it too. He says, I knew your father. Yes. And they're both kind of saying he was was, a pirate. No, he was a this. Yeah, his father was an explorer in quotes. Like, could have been a pirate, could have been an explorer. And that's Pirates of the Caribbean where it's Orlando Bloom's character, Will Turner. Like, they're like, oh, your father was Bootstrap Bill. And he's like, my father wasn't a pirate. Like, that's a big thing. It's a weird, like, this is... It's a weird thorough line There's like eight story points, and those are the only story points Disney can use in its Pirates movies (laughs) for some reason. Yeah. Uh, But then we see, I like Billy Bones. He's not in it very long. I liked the design of his character Mm. a lot. Mm -hmm. That is the last uh, vocal performance, I believe. It's Patrick McGugan, who was uh, in The Prisoner, which is like an old uh, TV show, British TV show. But you guys might remember him. He was the bad guy in Braveheart. Uh, I've whoa, seen that okay. movie, Shanks, but not the one who like yeah, yeah. His, his son has a a gay lover and he throws him out the window. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It's like his advisor, and he's married to like the, the queen of France, but clearly they're a couple. And then he's giving him advice, and Crookshanks, I think his name, just just like turns him and throws him out a window. Yikes. I saw. I've watched Braveheart recently. <laughs> so Billy Bone shows up. 
He's very mm-hmm. sick, and he's kind of going on about beware of the cyborg. He's a turtle monster. Yes, I like him. <laughs> and uh, I think this is a good example where they accelerate the plot, because like he hangs out in the book, right? He's there. The doctor's trying yeah. to care for him. He's like not supposed to be drinking. There's this whole thing about him drinking rum. Like There's a lot of back and forth, and I think that they do a nice job in the movie. We're like, nope, that's not. We don't care. He's yeah, got a map, and he's dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's like, and he's, they're coming for me chest yeah. and that kind of a thing. Yeah. And then this is where we meet. Is it Dilbert? Oh, yeah. Doppler. 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 I think it's Dilbert Doppler. Yeah. Dilbert yes. Doppler. Yeah. This Dr. Is, Doppler. Which is uh, Niles from... Yes. His, the actor's Check name out, is... Uh, David, David Hyde Pierce. Pierce. Check Thank out you. Craniacs, wherever you get your podcast. That's C-R-A-N-E-I-A-C-S. <laughs> Ryan's other podcast. But we also... We get an introduction to him in the end before mm-hmm. uh, Billy Bones comes in. But then, basically... We realize people are chasing Billy Bones. Other pirates are coming and chasing. We never mm-hmm. see who they are, but this whole you thing. You see shadows. And yeah. I think if you know the what pirate, does? if you've seen the movie before, it clearly looks like silver. Silver, but they, he points with his flesh arm, not his not robot his arm. And then I think you see like the dude with all the little eyes and all that. Like mm-hmm. you see their shadows. So the tavern gets set on fire. Uh, and they ride away on Delilah, which is... It's like a snail without a shell yeah, thing. Yeah, it's kind of... I like, like a... an ostrich and a snail slammed together. It was an yeah, ostrich Yeah, it's like snail. a stagecoach and Delilah yeah. is the animal that and, takes them away. And it was and, Yeah, she's uh, like, Doppler's. Delilah. Yeah, he goes, Delilah's like, boo! And I'm yeah. like, I love this character. Uh-huh. Whatever this is, I love it. <laughs> so we, we go to his home, uh, his mansion, really. The doctors. Yes, yes. the doctors. And he, he winds up... It's like a Rubik. They, he 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 gets Billy Bones's yeah they treasure map and it's like yes, a Rubik's cube, mm-hmm. a Rubik's sphere, and it opens up and it shows the the direction to Treasure Planet. So of course you know the mother's like you can't go and Doppler's like I'll fund it and Jim's like this will solve all our problems. Which I also went well. Why doesn't the doctor offer to like rebuild the, the end? end? However, yeah. I do feel like a I think that's the adventure part is both Doppler and. Jim want to go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what they're seeing. So they're like, I'll fund it to also go on this adventure. Mm-hmm. I also feel like the doctor, like, I think if we'd done a little more on him, it would have been like, he has a big house. That's maybe his ancestral home, but he has no servants. Like everything's like, there's piles mm-hmm. of everything. Like he's on his last dollars. I mean, why is he going to an inn to eat? If he would have had servants, like he, I think that's like, Maybe he's lonely if he lives in that yeah. house all alone. My my backstory, company. that's what I'm saying. My backstory is he lives in Wayne Manor, but he doesn't have an Alfred. He's like, <laughs> lo- that's the last of his money got it, got he it. uses to like do this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. But So they're clearly excited. He says he's going to fund it. And then, Travis, you were saying that the characters that fund it, they're Fozzie and... <laughs> that's my I reference remember, i can't remember yes, who they are yeah so there's there's the, doctor, there's the squire and the doctor and the yes. doctor is like the go-between because he sort of transcends social class in a way because of his calling so he treats both jim's father who's dying and dies very quickly and then billy bones who dies of a stroke because he keeps so, drinking rum he's and, a bad doctor is he's what I'm not <laughs> it is also remember like the 1750s so he's yeah, doing his so, best do you uh, ever see that old Sarah live skit where it's like steve martin is a medieval doctor and he's like i think we need to to eight leeches and call me in the morning and he like <laughs> like we'll do a good bleeding he's like are you sure so work doctor he's like hey who's the dentist here like you know or something like that <laughs> yikes 
Uh, but so the usefulness of the doctor in the story is that because he transcends social class, he can connect the squire who has money with Jim who has the map. And it's just this, like it. this plot device to make that go forward so that the expedition could get funded in a way that made sense to uh, like a 19th century mind. Yeah. Uh, so they go off to the spaceport, and this is another really creative thing. It looks mm. like a crescent moon, but mm. it's actually a yes. whole city. It's it's not it's not the port. like yeah it's not the moon like and something in front of it. It's literally that's the shape of the spaceport. Yeah, they do this with the book where it's like I like that he has to turn the page to get to the next part. Like it's so like partly new technology, but also old technology. Mm-hmm. And that was something they wanted to do. They had a seventy thirty rule, which was everything should be seventy percent old you know 1800s ships and this and that and the other and 30 percent sci-fi tech i feel like they achieved that yeah, yeah. and i thought they did the yeah. same thing with cgi versus hand animated mm-hmm. which yeah. was seven percent hand animated 30 percent cgi mm-hmm. the other one that i liked that was really good was the kind of stained glass oh, the but blinds. they would change it yeah. and, it would, oh, yeah. and yeah. it would change to a different background mm-hmm. but then they like opened it a little and like just kind of like <laughs> opens in the middle yeah. just a yeah, bit yeah so they could see what was coming towards the end yeah. yeah uh so when they're at the spaceport this is where we see dr doppler in the space suit that giant <laughs> it looks like space a suit. yeah like a bell diver 20,000 yeah. leagues under the sea yeah. yes yeah, yeah. And then this is where we see the ship for the first time, and it's the RLS Legacy and RLS After. Robert Louis Stevenson. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get introduced to Ryan's favorite character, which is Flatula. No, he is Mr. Zoth, but he is from oh. the planet Flatula. Thank you. I, 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 <laughs> because I apologize. <laughs> he has all these, like, trunks off of him, or, like, they look like tapir. Is, it, is that what the animal's called? I, it is, yeah. They look like their noses where it's kind of like a yeah. short yeah, elephant yeah, yeah. trunk. And they go, <laughs> and that's how he talks. And, and then Dr. Doppler the best... converses with him and does like a bunch of raspberry Oh, he's like, noises. oh, I speak flatulon or yes. something. And honestly, we can put Prince John away. We can put Gaston really? away. The best character in all of wow. fiction is Mr. Zoth <laughs> I am flatula. shocked that he that's goes not above. Real. No, I'm not saying, but he was my... You I'm, were so delighted by well, him. Well, the background pirates are all these kind of fun, weird designs. Like yeah, the crow's I enjoyed nest. all the designs of the different yeah. pirates. The crow's nest guy has like eight eyes. Mm-hmm. And there's the two who apparently i've I read this their character names are oxy and moron oh, that's oh boy. Funny. and it's it's it looks like a dude with like a weird tiny little head but then the head like gets up and walks away and then the body is another alien yeah what were you well, name your favorite background pirate Ooh. did no one care mm. if no one cares about this as much as i do we can I, skip no it. i think i liked the one with all the eyes Oh. Like the design, who apparently was Russian. In the end, he sounded really oh. Russian, but he didn't really anywhere well, like, else. Yeah, there's like, a lot he had of one last line. There's a lot of weird Eastern Russian. European uh, sounding. But we should accents. also go into our least favorite pirate, Travis. Take it away. Oh, uh, <laughs> least favorite pirate. You know who it is. It's Betty Boop with on legs. <laughs> with on legs. <laughs> Betty no, Boop's head. The one woman her. pirate. She was terrible. She was honestly terrible. Like, <laughs> she what looked is that? Like the she thing, was very weird. She looked like, what is his name? Sebulba from, does anybody know Sebulba from Phantom mm-hmm. Menace? No, but the, maybe the guy, a listener the, will. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> pod racer who beats Anakin Skywalker no. so that he can be, he tries to beat Anakin Skywalker, but Anakin oh, Skywalker doesn't. The other, other, uh, 
There's Dolt Dud Bolt is another pod racer. There's a <laughs> two to three Quadernos. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I I didn't care for her either. Ben Quadraneros. That's gonna bother me the whole time if I screwed it up the first time. Anyway, now go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this is why your fortieth why... is May the fortieth be with you. <laughs> why was she? Even, I mean, why was she even in there? Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. I think they wanted a... Fe- well, even if it was a male pilot, pirate, it, it would have been a stupid good. design. And the desi- yeah. yeah, that was the one design I didn't really care for. Otherwise, I thought it was pretty creative. But this is where we meet Captain Amelia. And I love her. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I thought you would. Yeah, I really liked her a lot. Emma Thompson is the voice of her. Emma Thompson is Disney with this. She's in Pixar with Unbrave. Mm-hmm. She's uh, P.L. Travers. She's in Cruella de Vil. I didn't. I she voices a couple other. She voice like does a couple other animated characters, but they might not be Disney stuff. But I read the list. Right. I I just. I just forgot she had such a prolific Disney career. Yeah. So and then we also meet the first officer, Mister Arrow, Mm -hmm. and uh, this is where Mister Doppler gets a little loose lipped. He starts talking about the treasure map in front of the whole crew, and this is where she's like, "No, don't do that." I'm not a huge fan of the crew you hired, but we'll make it work. But you really need to stop talking about this treasure map. We need to keep it between us. And that's when she locks the orb in her quarters, I guess. It's not really an office. I guess Mm -hmm, it's like her. mm -hmm. I like that she didn't look at the map. So it became very sure that she was concerned with the, with, she didn't like look at it and figure out where it was. You know, you're not. Yeah. She's like, I don't need it yet. I can get us to the planet. And then like, that's when we need the map Mm -hmm. is what it seemed. Uh, yeah. but oh go ahead no i i just i wish she'd had more lines i just more captain please more yeah. captain i liked her writing i liked silver's writing like the kind of flowy. our favorite line mm-hmm. of hers was zip your howling screamer so, yeah travis really so. liked that one <laughs> uh but yeah she was fantastic i liked her the, a whole the lot. flowy piratey language from her and from silver were some of my favorite yeah. parts of this mm-hmm and that's when now we meet Mr. Silver. So mm-hmm. we meet the cyborg. We see him cook. And we were all really, I was really impressed with they really showed off all the, the things that they worked really hard to work, mm-hmm. to make work well. I'm not saying that yeah. right, but. And I, I think this is uh, Glenn Keane, who's like. I, I, and Eric, it was Glenn Keane and Eric Daniels, I believe. Oh, I'm sure. It, yeah. I think, I think it was both of them. Right. But I, I, I think. Uh, I got you know I should know off the top of my head on Disney podcast all the other stuff he's done but Glenn Keane is he was a animator that was so good they kept refusing to let him direct a movie because they're like then yeah. we lose this amazing animator and it does look good and I think the things that you need to remember is all the times you forget part of Silver is CGI it just it is very seamless in a lot of yeah. scenes he's later I the think movie. the most seamless of all because some other times it wasn't quite as successful but I think that they did a really yes. good job of integrating the techniques for Silver's character, and he's so expressive. Yeah. And uh, Brian Murray is the voice actor who is like a South African uh, actor who is mostly does stage, like doesn't mm. really do a whole lot. Like it's such a weird choice, but he's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I like Long John Silver a lot, and I'm mm-hmm. not, you know not as good as Mister uh, Zhao. Oh. I already forget his name, Zoff. but he Mister Zoff. <laughs> And uh, but no, I think he's legitimately like the best part of this movie. Yeah, because it's such an interesting turn. It's it's well acted, and it's not like 
like Martin Short is kind of is good, but he's also like kind of stunt casting. Mm-hmm. And this is no one's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to get that Brian Murray dollar in the theater. Yeah, yeah. And I so, think that's the magic, really, of the story, is that you think about this was written in 1888, and Long John Silver is still a name that people associate with pirates. Like for whatever reason, yes. however he did it, he just he distilled so much of it and made it so clear that Absolutely. that has resonated with us for you know over a century so i think that now, that, i mean it's right there it's just such a good character real important question when is the last time each of us ate at long john silver's ah uh, that'd be a never you've never eaten at long john silver's Mm-mm. i don't know that i have oh well this was a dumb question all right <laughs> yeah i know you like long john I silver's long john i don't know silver's. that i ever did because a fast food fish to me is i love a, to I destroy I my body i actually forgot garbage. it was a restaurant until i was googling long john silver to look at something up and it was like would you like the restaurant results and i was like what what no <laughs> uh but this is also where we meet morph who instead no. of like a parrot or you know it, it's like his little <laughs> sidekick morph made the toy companies so excited for this movie because they're like we're gonna sell so many morphs yeah well until the movie didn't do well yeah tara i think that i think morph is another so there were a couple of times throughout this movie where we could note that they made a decision about silver to make him seem a more likable character and a lot of that Mm -hmm. had to do with like he doesn't kill people in the movie whereas like oh boy he is out there doing his thing and morph i think is one of those parts of it because in you know his he originally has a parrot or a lobster from muppet treasure island right okay or a lobster uh and the parrot belonged to captain flint Mm. oh okay and so the parrot knows the story i mean knows the story but (laughs) he when jim meets silver as a cook in a bar basically in town Silver tells Jim about the parrot's origin, tells Jim that the parrot came from Flint. Like, so there's already this immediate connection that Silver was working for Flint and did all the same things that Flint did to get that money. So, you know, Silver's in deep because he's got that parrot. And so by switching to Morph, whose origin we never get, you're sidestepping Flint's direct association with Silver. So Silver can be a little bit more of an innocent presenting character yeah and then also he's caring for another creature right i think there's that side of it too yeah uh where you know it makes him more likable because he seems personable i guess right yeah in that way they also like in this world flint was like over a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. like he's a legend Mm -hmm. and that makes sense because once they get there it's like how the, the the treasure is buried as opposed to just where the treasure is buried Becomes uh, a bigger deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so then, what is this? In my heart wish captain, but I am the doctor. What was I right? <laughs> what me. does that mean? That's me. That was oh, me. Oh, that was me. That's right. I was like, what is that? Okay, that was let me my say that again. Now that I'm, now that that I'm not the it. captain, but I'm really just the doctor. <laughs> That's yes. right. Yeah, I wrote it down and then I was like, what does that mean? Okay, so yes, Travis in his heart wishes to be the captain, but mm-hmm. in real yes. life, he's the doctor. And Definitely. so we all picked who our characters were. I'm Ben, I believe. Yes, I'm Mr. Zoff. Yes. I don't know who I would really be like out of the whole thing. Probably a side character that toots is probably the most accurate, <laughs> but I would like to say I was at least had a voice actor as opposed to a whoopee cushion. <laughs> 
So uh, in the very beginning, Jim doesn't trust Silver because he is mm-hmm. a cyborg. So he's testing him and he's mm-hmm. telling him this story of meeting Billy Bones and and kind of what Billy Bones said. And Silver doesn't flinch. He just is is cooking, doing his work and just trying to play it real cool. So that's kind of how their meeting starts off with Jim being very suspicious of mm-hmm. him. And then I wrote about the sails. I love the launch sequence mm. of the ship mm-hmm. and those solar sails and the design. Everything was very cool. Well, they about don't this. tell you how they work, like, yeah. verbally. They yeah. just visually, like, just you see them get you. filled with light and then, like, a meter go up. And that comes back to play later during the supernova, mm-hmm. um, which is our next. I guess we'll get there in a bit. But yeah, like, where it's like they get filled up and it over. Yeah, down. so that whole sequence was very cool. And then when they're launching. You see whales swimming in space, which reminded me of Fantasia 2000, mm-hmm. that whole sequence with the whales, mm-hmm. with Pines of Rome. So it's Pines of Rome, right? With yes, whales? I believe that's the right one. Yeah. So then uh, my next note is Jim. Worst character, same in the book. Yeah. <laughs> we had a so, lot to say. Yeah, so we had bad. a lot to say about Let's Jim. take a second about Jim's haircut. It's an undercut, but also there's like a <laughs> ponytail which I think if they would have gotten rid of the ponytail, is it a ponytail or is it a rat tail? I think it's more it's of a, a rat, rat tail, tail. But yeah. then it's like it's yeah. like so tight that it sticks straight out. Yeah. Like it's 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 mostly just. Also, he has an binding. earring. He has like too many things. Yeah. Like yeah. they had to they had to pare back one or two of those things. I think. Like I feel like he was a tattoo away from being like an ex. Uh, like a bartender who used to play in the band that played at that bar. <laughs> like that's, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> sorry. I do. It's so fine. he's just Jim Hawkins. There's a reason why if you say that name to anybody, they're going to be like, who was that meant to be? They're never going to piece it together with it being from Treasure Island because <laughs> I, I, no one cares about him. And I just feel like that was, care- you know, the movie had the same problem. I was like NCAA quarterback. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> like, Jim Hawkins yeah. of the of the Buckeyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not who you dissociate. Yeah. yeah. And this next part, again, this is making us like Silver even more, is the bug guy. What was his name? Mr. Scroop. Mr. Scroop. He uh, goes after Jim. And I can't remember specifically what happens here. He's he's listening. He's mopped because... Uh, Arrow assigns him to, to Silver, which they talk about. To, to work for Silver. Which they yeah. talk about a little bit more in Muppet Treasure Island because it's like, we don't want them to wonder why there's this child on here. Like, we can't yeah. treat you better, so we're going to put you with the crew. And then so I like the bit where Silver just as doesn't want him there either, so he can't, he can like talk more freely. But he's, but Jim is assigned to swab the deck. Oh, that's right. And he's listening to the other pirates, and they're like, mind your own business. And then mm-hmm. Scroop comes down, voiced by Michael Wincott, who is a guy of Gisborne in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And Scroop's design is very different from the rest of the pirates. Well, this vo- He's also in The Crow. He's also in, oh, what is the one thing, other thing he's in? He's in The Crow. He's in Alien Resurrection. That his voice, like ninety percent of Michael Wincott in his voice. But do you remember that he's like, "Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe or a knife?" When he's doing the whole thing in Prince of Thieves, I love that I voice. Don't. It's I a good voice. I'm so glad sorry. they finally got him as a Disney villain. Uh, yeah, but he his design is so different. I think from the rest of the group, don't you think? Like the rest of the group all look similar like they could yes. be cousins to mm. one another they're all kind of blobby and yeah he's, uh, and like he's, insect yeah an insect and very big uh and, and like very the, like the villain colors 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, the the dark reds and the purples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Silver basically saves him from him, saves Jim from him and the crew. And then this is when we realize that Silver is actually teaming up with the crew because they all he meet. He yells at him afterwards. Yeah, they all meet in the kitchen. The galley. The galley, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yells at them, tells them parts. not to do the mutiny just yet. They've got to stick to the plan. And this is when we were like, how did this crew get hired? Yeah. This is like our question mm-hmm. in there. Travis, real quick, since like we got you here uh, for the Australian nostalgia kick. Do you remember staying in that boat? Did you ever do that for that when you had to do the certain amount of like service hours? And one of them is you could stay overnight in that like. No, I didn't. The, like the tall mast ship. Yes. In the harp. No, I didn't do that one. But you did yeah, that, we, right? I did that a couple times. Yeah. And. Uh, that was what it. You, that was why the beginning did you get of service hours? It was a, um, like, the idea was we were essentially supposed to be there just to keep, if anyone tried to vandalize oh, it, like, hey, so, go away. Got it. Got it. Um, but it, yeah, was, I, uh, it was like an eight uh, or a, a 19th century or 18th century recreation of, of a boat. Oh, wow. I can't exactly remember. But, like, you had to, like, stay in, like, literally, like, those hammocks. Mm. And... I uh, I spent a week working with injured birds of prey. That's one of the things I did. Oh, that's right. And then did you, uh, I think did we go on something together at one point? Well, I did. I I ended up doing a lot of the trips out to the Aboriginal country. Yes, I did that yeah. as well. Yeah. And I did one of those where they served kangaroo tail stew once. Ooh. It was the worst. No, it's the it's Ooh. it tasted like bo smells. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, and I was like. And I'm like, you know, people are looking at me, and I almost thought they were in the back being like, "This is it's I can't believe he's eating that." Because I'm like, "Mmm, it was terrible." Anyway. <laughs> so then, my next mm-hmm. note: there's no real way to transition. That's fine. Into this. fine. The next note is Disney kills moms and are always okay with it, but they can't be okay with killing yeah. Jim's dad. Instead, yeah. Jim's dad runs off, and we see this in a montage that I like, like he yeah, leaves to, when he's young to the Goo Goo Dolls. To I, the Goo Goo Dolls. I yeah. think it's it's more interesting for him to be a deadbeat dad. Because I think it is like he, it, it gives us a little bit of insight why he's distrustful of uh, you know kind mm-hmm. of a, a and then why eventually he connects with Silver because right. Silver yes. is yes. fulfilling yeah. that figure. I do yep. get that, yep. but in the original story, his dad dies. So if they wanted to stick with the original, do you see like I, I see guess, both but sides I think of it? I but. think I think what they're doing to make Silver more than just a, a monster is to make him this kind of a they're finding each other and it's a father son story with not necessarily biological father and son because he's definitely like the way that this one ends is definitely a twist right and the twist wouldn't make sense without that relationship that they're choosing to make that's a good point and in this montage this is where you start to see jim looking up to silver bonding with silver silver still you know, making him work hard. And that's what he told the crew is that he's going to make Jim work so hard he has no time to think about anything mm, else. Yeah. And he's going to be too tired to be paying attention to what the crew's doing as they're planning this mutiny, essentially. And I also think, you know, Silver's impressed with Jim. And I also, you know, we find out this treasure is a lifelong obsession of Silver's. And I think he's had to, like he said, like, I think at this point, Jim says, well, how did you become a cyborg? Mm-hmm. He's like, you lose some things when you, you, know, you pursue follow a, a dream. dream. Yeah. And yeah. I think he's like kind of looking at Jim like you could do this and like mm-hmm. be a better version of what I was. I don't yeah. Know. 
And then this is where the supernova star comes into play. This whole uh, yes, it feels like a battle scene, but it's a battle against an explosion. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a hurricane scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is, is what, that what, which is what in it stands in for. Yeah, there's yeah. a storm at night. Yeah, and this is where there, you know, Jim's in charge of like the lifelines, which I thought well, was and funny. Well, he saved Silver during the firestorm. Yes. Jim saved Silver, so there's mm. a bonding moment there between Jim and Silver. And then, yes, he's supposed to tie and make sure all the lifelines are tight as it changes which into is, a black hole. Which so. is just rope. Like, there's no, like, tie <laughs> no the, 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 the tech rope. Or they the are sailing rope. through the stars, and they are using a piece of hemp to connect <laughs> yes. themselves to the boat. Yes. And so Mr. Arrow gets kind of flung off the boat, but he's tied and he's secure. And this is when... Scroop. Scroop. He's like, Bug Guy like, in my notes. Like Scoop, but with an R. I know, Scroop? but in my notes, he's Mr. Bug Guy. So, okay. uh, but Bug Man. Bug Man. So, yeah, he cuts Arrow's line. And so Arrow just floats into nothingness. We It's the last we see yes. of Mr. Arrow. There's a couple shots of people floating away, like gravity style, and it is, is a little hard a little to watch. A little disturbing. But, Travis, you said in the book, Silver kills Arrow. Yeah, I the, my, my memory is that Sil- Silver arranges basically to get him wasted. And so Arrow's swept off the boat because he's drunk. Oh, to get him drunk. Yeah. And then I thought you meant like like you were it was a, like 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 a, a, a euphemism for killed. Oh, no. <laughs> like to so get him wasted. He, I'm like, why are you saying it that way? No, he he overserves him with rum. And I think I think so the connection there to me is that I think Silver implicates Jim in getting the rub. Because Jim's able, as as the, like, working in the galley, he can just go ask the captain for these things. And the captain's not going to think that this child, again, is drinking the rum. So there must be legitimate need for it. So he can go ask for this extra dosage of rum. And that then that's what Silver uses to serve Arrow to get him drunk. So then he falls off the boat. I like this version better. Like, even if it was yeah. just a yeah. C, like, yeah. it makes... Because, A, I like the idea of Mr. Arrow well, being, like, stalwart and just, like the the beacon of what's right on the mm-hmm. ship so he wouldn't be like i'm gonna drink too much but also like i like you know there's this scene where they go what happened to mr arrow and scroop is like his lifeline was not secure well but that's the thing is right before that the captain celebrates what a great job yeah Jim did mm-hmm. securing the lifeline so he has this moment of feeling really good that he finally did something right and then you know it comes to be that they find out mr arrow is not yes with them it and is it's another- also like a blow to Jim's self-confidence. Yeah. Yes. And it's another moment where Silver is, is the story is being changed to exonerate Silver. So he's not implicated at all. Yeah. In the death of Arrow. Yeah. And this is where he says to Jim, you have the makings of greatness because Jim is really down on himself and Silver comes in to try to like give him this, not really a pep talk, but try to be like, you know, you can really right. do this. And after that, uh, Jim is, looking for Morph, playing kind of like hide-and-seek. Morph is like, he's goofing around with Morph, and they get stuck in a barrel Well, right before that, oh, though, sorry. is when... Sorry, I just think this is an important point, because oh, okay. the crew talks about this. Silver says to himself, or says to Morph, I'm getting in too deep. Yeah. And he Silver admits to himself that he's really... He likes Jim, he's attached to Jim, and Mr. Scroop overhears that. Mm-hmm. And yep. then they all meet. So yeah, he's playing hide-and-seek, and they're in this barrel of... They're not apples in the, but in this <laughs> version, I don't know fruit. what space fruit. Yeah, but yeah. Space and he, fruit. it look, it looks like figs. Like yeah. I don't know what it is. Anyway, yeah. um, 
Jim overhears them having the plan about the mutiny and him saying, like, I don't care about that kid, et cetera, et cetera. Because they call him on yeah. getting mm-hmm. close with him. Yeah. And they get called up to the deck because they see land. And this part I really like. So Jim comes out and Silver's like, oh, I left my spyglass downstairs. And then they meet at the top. So it's he, clear that Jim had to have been down there when they were talking. But they do such a good moment with it where they're like, Jimbo. And like, like they're, neither of them is going to say it for a minute. Yeah, neither of them admit to it. And they I don't think they admit to it at all. But it's clear mm-hmm. that Jim knows what's going on. And then he hits his cyborg leg. He stabs leg. his cyborg leg with a... With a pair of scissors or something yeah and then that's when silver says to the crew okay change of plans we're taking the ship now yes and that's where uh mr zoff goes down in a blaze of glory trying to protect the ship yes yes Poor the one big good big triumphant moment that we never see <laughs> um, uh but this it's is also where- oh i was gonna say this this is kind of this is kind of the moment where the story really accelerates, right? There's a yes. lot of hot things come like fast at you, but it's also, I think the big moment where the story kind of leaves the, the text, right? We're no longer following the narrative sequence that is in treasure Island. We have the narrative chunks. They're just coming in different order and slightly spun. And like, we're really telling a different story at this point, I think. Oh, so I wrote here, it wasn't the captain. It's Dr. Doppler just killed half the crew. I think he opens something when the crew oh, he is chasing the them. Yes, They're that's what happens. They're getting into the longboat. And that's but- when I think your favorite character leaves. Because I think there's like five or six oh. crew members that are chasing them I think he was saying, let me on the boat. I'm on your side. <laughs> but since only Dr. Doppler spoke flatulon. <laughs> It was that was what was going. You know but what, Ryan? When, I think that's right. I think yeah, that's I'll right. go with it. I'll go yeah. with it. But that's when and then and then as he's falling, fall. he goes, which is flashlight mm-hmm. for her, like I can survive in space. <laughs> Pick me up later. I'll always be with you. Uh, <laughs> but he shoots. He shoots the uh, the thing, and it falls. And that's when she goes, "Did you aim for that?" He's like, "Do you know? Actually, I did." Which yes. I thought was really funny. Yeah, and then this is also when Morph. Is playing. We find out too that even though Morph is Silver's, he's created this bond with yeah. Jim, and so he spends a lot of time with Jim. And when Jim gets the orb before they're leaving the boat, because now all the pirates are chasing them and they're trying to get to a longboat to get off the ship, Morph changes into the orb and goes back and forth. And so it's pretty clear you're going to know what's going to happen here. Right. He thinks he has the orb. And he takes it from Silver and jumps on the boat. And really, he has Morph. This and we find a, that out this later. This is also the point break scene where uh, Silver goes to shoot him and then like is like, no. Can't do it. do it. Yeah, so. can't do it. And we did we did say that Morph is a shape change. He's a mimic. That Morph can like yes. assume the co- color and shape. And Yeah, I'm not sure if we have. So yeah, appearance. I'm glad he's you're mentioning it. He's a pink yeah. blob that floats around yeah. and changes into like, when he when he makes fun of people by changing into them and being and like making and mimicking their voices yes. and yeah, yeah. shape shifting all the time. So uh, they crash on the planet, and this is when that we find out that the captain is hurt. So well, it's it's the typical like adventure, uh, the mm. mysterious side injury. Well, then you know, it I looks like her happens. arm, the bloodless, it, bruiseless yes. injury. And then her arm is in a sling later on. So I'm not entirely sure what happened. Probably broke some ribs, but for some reason that affects like her judgment. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and so then this it's is a blow to the head too. Yes. yes. Okay. And then this is when Jim finds Ben, who's voiced by Martin Short and bioelectric gone crazy bioelectric navigator. Yes. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit, Travis, about the character that this is based aping. on. Yeah. So Ben, right? Ben is Benjamin Gunn. Mm-hmm. So not too much of a stretch there. They are all he's in the book also crazy. Uh his his whole story when he meets Jim is that he hasn't had a Christian meal or qu- Christian cuisine in five years since he's been stranded. Uh, and the thing that he misses the most is cheese. So he spends a lot of time <laughs> asking, do you have cheese in your pocket? And Jim's like, no, I do not have cheese in my pocket. Another reason uh, why I'm Ben. <laughs> yeah, i love cheese. all your pocket cheese all my pocket cheese no i just love cheese but he is crazy right and he does he talks in riddles um basically the whole he just he can't get out of one directed thought uh and he doesn't ever actually meet the crew so there's the i mean there's this, there are all, all these differences but so ben remains a recluse and he doesn't really engage with the crew until much later and nearly mm-hmm. the end of the novel and then you're saying his ending is he has a much thou- bleaker. He spends a thousand pounds oh, in twenty days. Poor or Ben. Something. Poor Ben. So ben, ben. Okay. Again, just because it's, it's. I think it's just a darker story. But so while Ben refuses to meet the crew, he is killing the pirates at night. So he is knifing them in their sleep. Oh my god! While they're camping on the island, and he's just like stalking them. Uh, but he does survive. Uh, we'll get there. But he does survive, and his share. Which is ludicrous, by the way. Let me tell you, not fair. Because they find seven hundred thousand pounds, and Ben gets one thousand of it, um, which he spends in nineteen days. So the the story is very clear that on day twenty, <laughs> old Ben Gunn is back on the streets begging for money. Aww. We don't know where the money goes. They don't tell you where cheese. he spends it, but it's cheese. all cheese. Yeah, he. <laughs> it's all cheese. It was all cheese. But yeah, so two very different trajectories for these yeah. characters yeah. In, in just to make sure we cover all of the literary classic version of this it is benjamina gunn played oh. by miss piggy in yes the, uh, in Muppets treasure island you know i kind of wish i i might have to see Muppet treasure you, island now you may need I've to watch never it after seen this it. i've it's never great. seen it so yeah. remember how i told you the thing to remember about this one is a very earnest and and mm-hmm. pure uh Muppet treasure island is very silly it is very silly it's good. If, 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 it's have you very ever seen silly. have you ever seen muppets christmas carol I have. So yeah. it's in that same. Yeah. It's sillier it's than Muppet's Christmas sillier. Carol. It's way sillier. Muppet Christmas Carol is I like. I think I might like this movie. It's, you'll like it. Yes. I think you'll like it. Oh. I mean, I, I love it. But I th- I feel like after talking to you and also being someone who knows the original story of Treasure Island, I think you'll probably get a kick out of mm-hmm. how they adapt it with Muppets. <laughs> but yes. uh, this is when Ben starts talking about Captain Flint. So at mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Jim's like, oh, I found this guy who's been stranded. I don't know anything about him. And then when he starts rambling about Flint, then, you know, his ears kind yes. of perk up and he now, tries to get connected with he's, Ben. He's crazy, too, but his literally part of his memory has gone. Has been he's pulled robot. out. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I thought the orb was going to go into Ben's head, which mm-hmm. does not happen. But I thought that that's maybe where that was going. Uh, so they go to Ben's house. They were looking to find cover. And he's like, oh, this is perfect. But then Ben shouts, there are <laughs> hey, your, your friends. friends are here. And shouts and's like, come closer. And so obviously he gives away their position with that. So I feel like I remember a scene like this from some version I saw where they do have like a parlay, but they're like mm-hmm. at the top of a hill or something. <laughs> and it's like, is that in the book? And- yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's another one of those instances where it's sort of like a bizarro conversion, and that 
Flint, when he first was on the island, built this stockade That's that was their is, defensible yeah. position and then abandoned it. And so the loyal members of the crew find it first and take up a defense that occupy it. And when the pirates find them, it is silver that comes to have a parlay to talk about how they're going to surrender. Yeah. And, you know, kicks off the next part of the book. But yeah, so this is like, again, a bunch of stuff stuffed together mm-hmm. to fit their, their retelling. Well, and their retelling his parlay to Jim is if you stick with me, we'll walk away as Kings. Like, I'll separate from them, and you and I can split the treasure. And Jim is very adamant, you're never going to see any of this treasure. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do any of this. And so then this is when Morph winds up staying with Jim. There's a moment there where Morph chooses and doesn't go with Silver. And then this is when Jim also realizes, oh, they don't realize we don't have the map. Mm -hmm. They think we have it. So Jim has to go back up to the ship. He wants to disable the cannons so they can't... There's a a back door. I just want to talk about something real quick. I liked when he goes through the back door of of the thing to go and find the pirates. Their skiff is like tied to something but like but floating, floating in the, yeah but, and just kind of yeah. bobbing well like, yeah we cool. realized from ben's home yeah the back door is like it's all this machinery underneath the island yeah. so you can kind of get the to planet different, yeah, the yeah. planet yeah you can get to different places on mm-hmm. the planet that way and so he wants to disable the cannons because there are other pirates on that ship that could potentially attack them yes. at some point so he well, goes and does that i think uh, Silver actually says, I'm going to use the, the, the yeah. cannons to yeah. take you out if you don't give me the map. So he goes and does all of that, and then there's this battle with Mr. Scroop. You got it! He is who's, well, because in my notes it's Snoop, so I finally did start writing <laughs> no, Mr. a name. Mr. Snoop's <laughs> is the rescuers. Mr. Scroop <laughs> is... But, uh, but yeah, so it's this scene between them battling as... Ben is trying to disable the cannons and again gives away their position because there's a million wires and he doesn't yeah. get the right wire. Spoiler for like six different tries. And yeah. all mm-hmm. these different things happen that then create more obstacles for Jim as he's trying to not only get the orb, but then also battle with Scroop. And the final one is the gravity. So they start floating away and Jim does like a maneuver and gets away. And then you see, you know, kind of the opposite of the typical villain death where they fall from a great height, he's floating he away. Up, and he's nowhere. Like, ah, like yeah. slowly. And, and he his passes scream Mr. is Zoff. really intense. Well, that's yeah. Michael Wincott. But he passes yeah. Mr. Zoff, and he goes, this is all your fault, Zoff, for being such a good character. <laughs> and Zoff is oh, boy. slowly swimming back to the <laughs> spaceport. <laughs> Which is another change, right? Because in, in the book, Jim kills him. Uh, Scroop? Yeah. Is there a character that, actually named Scroop in the Well the 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 book version is Israel Hands. Oh that's, yeah. That's yeah. the character's name that plays the same role. Well apparently um, there's a character called Mr. Hands in here. I think it's the big four armed guy. I remember reading that somewhere. Oh. But this is this is I you know, it's another way of sort of lessening the tone, lightening the tone, mm-hmm. I should say, lightening the tone of the story. Yeah. By sidestepping having Jim ever actually kill anybody. So it's more like a series of accidents that he ends up floating off to space rather than Jim intentionally tries to kill him. Yeah, like actively seeking that out versus, yeah. 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 Uh, And so then this is when, by the time Jim gets back, Silver has captured the captain, Dr. Doppler, and 
you know, is basically like, give us the map. And Jim's like, no, I have to go with you. And so then they make the decision, everyone's going to go. So they're going to take everyone to follow this map. Because, and I think we haven't necessarily pointed this out yet, but the map, right, being this sphere, the Rubik's Cube, isn't something that can be read by anybody. And apparently, for whatever reason, Jim is the only one who's got the magic touch to make it open. Mm-hmm. So who's like figured it out. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for and saying they that. And can't access it. Right. So that's why he's able to bargain that if I'm coming, they're coming. So it opens up much like the uh, uh, spell in Skyrim that points you to your next uh, quest <laughs> marker. It mm. does, in fact. And, it, and they start mm. following it to this kind of empty space where Jim figures out you can place the sphere into the ground and this portal opens up and it keeps opening up to like different spaceports. And that's how they figure out. And earlier Ben said something about it and it sounded like ramblings. He was like, and the door just opens and closes and Mm -hmm. opens and Mm -hmm. closes. It's all these different portals to like different worlds. I like the one where I open it and there's a monster and it like turns and looks. Yeah. But that's how they figure out that Flint has gotten all this treasure from Mm -hmm. all over you know, different parts of the universe is because he's been able to utilize this portal. Right. But then they figure out there's a portal. They do the really hard uh, puzzle of how do we get to the middle of the <laughs> planet? And he goes, well, just press the the you one that's the, the planet, the middle of the thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. But so then they go to the middle and it's like this orb in the middle that's like spinning and these lasers are going into things. And it's like just a big pile of treasure. But they trip something as they go in like a laser they they walk past a yeah, laser. Yeah, almost like a tripwire, yeah. but it's a laser mm-hmm. instead. And then at one point, one of the pirates say, we're going to need a bigger boat. So yes. Ryan loves Jaws, Jaws so I was reference. excited to hear that. But um, uh, Ben and Jim kind of find a, a, a ship in the in the, in the the core. They go over to it and they find uh, Flint, like his, his bones. bones. And he's holding Ben's memory. And he puts the memory back in Ben and Ben's like, oh, right. I remember there's a giant booby trap here. Yes. And, and we need to get out now. Yeah. He's like, we only have so long before the planet explodes. Yeah. And so then it goes, you know, it does the, you know, this is another action scene that we can't really describe. But like the core starts splitting. Things start falling and blowing up. Pirates uh, fall Pirates into fall it. into the middle. Uh, and they say, oh, God, we're going to die unlike Mr. Zoff, who's still alive. And then... Um, <laughs> There's uh like there's a whole scene where Jim basically hot wires the ship. The ship. Silver tries to get on the ship, but then the ship is like being zapped by a laser and and, and the ship is full of treasure. Jim is falling, so Silver has to make the Raiders of the Last or the the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade decision of do I go for the treasure or do I, you know Or do I save Jim save Jim? And he picks Jim and they get out. And I remember the line I like is Jim's like, why'd you do it? He's like, oh, it's just a lifelong obsession, Jim. I'll get over it. <laughs> like, yeah, I just yeah. like that line so much. There's... And it's, oh, I think the, 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 the escape sequence, right, is an important part of Jim and Silver's relationship. Because right. the whole time we see Jim is tinkering with his first his solar surfer thing. And then he and Silver are doing in their little like train, like learning montage, mm-hmm. relationship building montage. He's fiddling with other stuff on the ship. So when they get inside the center of the planet, they do not have the boat they arrived in or any of the like lifeboat things that go with it. There's not there's they have to bring back to life a sense in a sense the uh, the boat that's already there. Right. So he has to take this decrepit ship and try and get that to work. So it's his like 
I can do it. This moment mm-hmm. where he, he is a functioning member of the crew and he does a really valuable thing. Well, they do that a little bit better later, I think, when Doppler Doppler and Amelia escape and then they show up then in the in the uh, the the, mm. the what's it called? It's the RLS, the RLS Legacy. Mm-hmm. Legacy. So they show up in the legacy with Ben and Ben's like, We gotta get out of here and they're trying to leave, but the engines aren't good. They're like, We're not gonna make it away from the planet and that's when Jim's like, we have to go back through the portal. Yeah. And I think that's the scene where he kind of steps yeah. up because people are like, what? And Fair. that's, I also think, when Silver steps up and goes, everybody listen to Jim. Like, yeah. Jim like, knows he's what he's making talking sense. about. This is our best, like, our best way to survive. And then he makes another surfer. Yeah, he goes, how can I help? Like, I like that scene where he's, like, not trying to lead. He's trying to, like, support Jim. Yeah. And then Jim makes another surfer out of an engine and a piece of metal. And sure. surfs off and hits the button so they can go through the portal. Yeah. Anything we want to say? I'm kind of truncating this last bit because it's very no, that's physical. Fine. I, yeah, it's hard to describe a lot of it. So that's fine. Basically, the next part is what we talked about at the start of how the story changes with each version of Treasure yes. Island with what mm. happens with Silver. So that's the next big part to probably yeah, talk about Yeah, they get through here. the portal and then Silver's like trying to because the quietly escape Yeah, on the us. captain says he's going to go to jail. Yeah, yeah, which we should point out that in this version, they make it through that portal with zero treasure. They have, they have, a, they have yes. come back with nothing. As far to as their, they know, to the, yeah, they've they've got nothing from this adventure other than their lives, and most of those were lost along the way. So, except for Mister Zoff, except for Mister Zoff, who is <laughs> slowly making his way. Mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. so to flatula where he is the king of flatula so he uh so uh he's trying to leave on a longboat <laughs> like he but all i can think of is himself yeah uh long john silver is is leaving on a longboat he you know jim comes over and he's kind of like no i was just fixing it and jim's like go ahead and get out of here which is what they do in muppet treasure island i don't know if they do mm-hmm. in the 1950s one or at all Nope. So it's it's. Well, that- he offers to take Jim with him. Yeah, he too. says you should come with me. Yeah. He's like, no, I, you know, you taught me that I should forge my own destiny to chart his own course. Chart his own course. <laughs> Excuse Ooh. me. And he lots of moving dialogue between the two of them. Like they really. I think this is a good those scene. emotional beats. I didn't feel yeah. as emotional because I knew this scene, but like sometimes when we watch these Disney movies, I get emotional at very dumb parts. I didn't get so here, but I really liked the scene. I did too. Yeah, I think it's a good way to wrap up. The story, yeah. the story of them and, and their interaction. As he's going, he throws them a handful. Like apparently, he puts some in his pockets, um, and throws them like a handful. Is like for your mother's in, and it's like eight jewels and some <laughs> coins, couple coins. And it's yeah. like, oh, if that's all it cost, you guys should have all gotten together and just be like, even if you all just would have like slowly gotten in, gotten one bag, and all been on the same page, you could have benefited. And that's why I think we need to change to a socialist, okay, democratic socialist uh, <laughs> uh, uh, country. Because when the when the group benefits everyone, okay, yes. Uh, the other thing is he. This is another thing to make silver even more personable. Is mm-hmm. Morphe Morph is really sad to go with Silver, but chooses to go with Silver. And he's like, I need you to do a job for me, Morphe. I need you to look after Jim. And so he stays with Jim. Because he's like, when the sequel comes, we def if we don't have Silver in it, we definitely want to make sure we have Morph we gotta in have it, it because that's some more gotta toys. have that blob. Yes. Yeah. And so then it cuts to the mother at the port. You know, everybody's reunited. The inn is back open. Ben's a cook. 
And then this is where we see that the captain and Dr. Doppler have um, become a family unit. And they have how many children? Four or they five? They have four, four. Three cats and a, and a dog. And there was something I read. I don't know if they wanted four, to present four. this somehow. But the yeah. idea is that Doppler was the one who carried the, the babies to term mm. in that alien relationship. I don't know if that was just backstory, if that was something they wanted to visually represent or what. But it's definitely stuff I've seen all over the internet. And then... Yes. I kind of... Yeah, I'm totally into Like that. a seahorse. Yeah. Kind of love And then it, it kind of ends with uh, Jim in like... Yeah, almost like yeah. a captain's. I think he's joined the academy. Yeah, there's a, yeah. He's there's in something... a uniform of some sort, and the cops are like dress the two uniform. cops who like pulled a dress him yeah. over in the beginning droids. are like praising him, and then he looks out to the sky, and there's like one star that's sparkling. Did you? Know, but the clouds are shaped like silver. Oh, I didn't catch and, that. And yes, it's oh and my the gosh, star I is his get, eye. Well, then that makes more sense yeah, as yeah, to why yeah. that star was sparkling. I did yeah. not see yeah. that. So. That was yeah. the idea of the sequel. Was it was Jim goes off to the academy, has a love interest because there wasn't you notice there wasn't one in this movie, mm-hmm. and then like Silver gets kind of involved, and they have to work with Silver to take out Ironbeard, who was supposed to be played by Willem Dafoe, which would have been great. Well, I mean, yeah, Willem Dafoe's great and everything, but mm-hmm. um, there was a fire <laughs> fight. Um, but uh, <laughs> like that was the plan. Yeah. So. So that's the movie. That's the movie. So. Travis, we ask these questions every single episode. Let's do it. Uh, how was the princess? I believe we're going to say the princess in this case was Jim. That seems fair. Yeah. And Jim stunk. We Yeah, none of us liked I Jim. Mean, he was... But it he sounds went like from, his source um, material was yeah. not good. But again, they could have modified some things mm. to make him more likable, I think. Here's the thing. First of all, I think his arc was from slightly annoying to fine. Yeah. So by the end, he was fine. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll go but with that, I guess. Whenever you eat, like you make a sandwich on white bread, no one talks about how the white bread is their favorite part. But you need that white bread for the sandwich to work. <laughs> I think every other character is all the wonderful ingredients in the sandwich, and he's the white bread. He's good to keep the sandwich together, but other than that, <laughs> like, whatever. I mean, and and they just did him wrong with his face. That's all I'm going to say. They did him wrong. <laughs> now, you say he has a very small forehead. I don't well, say he has a very his small eyebrows. forehead. He has a small forehead. I and his eyebrows go up. His eyebrows go up to his hairline. Yeah. Yeah, whenever he raises his eyebrow, they just disappear. Because, look, your forehead should be like a third of your face, and Jim's is like an eighth. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next question is, how is the prince? And this is kind of our weird thing, because... I think the prince is Silver. I think yeah. he is too. Yeah. I but think I, Silver is marketed as the villain, but he's not the villain. I th- do you do we rate him as a villain? I don't know. I don't think we do. They really work hard to make him not a he's a troubled character, but he's not a villain. He's the antagonist who becomes I don't think, I don't think a, he's because I would say in Muppets Treasure Island, which I'm sorry, Travis, I know you haven't seen it, but I know you're gonna watch it as soon to. as we're done with this. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> I would say that that, that silver. silver is a villain. Yes. This silver isn't. I, I like, yes, yeah. he's working with the crew, but I, like you said, Travis, they do so much to make mm-hmm. him not only likable, but make him support Jim and be there for Jim. And we never see him physically hurt Jim, physically hurt any other characters. It's really hard for me to say Silver's the villain. Stroop. He does. He does. Yeah. Con- who would be the only person that's like a a villain villain? 
Yes. But yeah. I think maybe this is one of the weaknesses of the of the story that they're telling is that there is this moral ambiguity to almost all of the people that you see the most. You know, Jim's kind of a dick and he becomes maybe less of a dick. And, you know, Silver's <laughs> kind of a bad person, but actually maybe he makes good choices by the end. Yeah. So you don't I, really yeah. have that clear cut storytelling. I... I argue that I I think the the strongest part of this though is Silver's story. I think him. It is. I agree, but but I agree with you. Do you call him a villain in this telling of the story? I wanted my point going to this. I will say this was like I'm going to convince them to 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 rank Silver as a villain, and I'm out on that. I Mm. think he's yeah. I don't think. mm I think it's an interesting story because I think the next movie he's clearly like going to start a good guy and it's going to be if there was a next movie it would be Jim convincing everyone else no 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 he's fine like it, that would be the, the yeah in our own self doubt like that's kind I, of where I'm left with this movie is that it's a, we'll it's get there a, yeah I think we're gonna have to I think we have to rank Scroop yeah, yeah I think so too Scroop which is sad Scroop. because I think I believe he was in the the sidekick henchman bracket he was he was well, a while ago I think well, this is just a, a weakness in the movie that's what I'm gonna say it's a weakness in the movie yes how are the sidekicks and henchmen uh, I believe referring to Mr. Zoff as a sidekick or henchman is diminutive <laughs> of his the importance of his character in the story I think we've um, he's talked... perfect okay Morph is I clearly think... a sidekick Yes, yes, I really liked Morph a lot. And I think we've talked about the pirates, the ones we liked yes. and didn't mm-hmm. like. But I think the strongest sidekick is Morph. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Amelia, if you call her, a, she's kind of a sidekick. Yeah, she's a side yeah. character. I guess, yeah. I think she's also I wish cool. she was more of not a side character because yes. she was so great. But yeah. Uh, favorite musical number. There's only really one option and that's the Google. I didn't yes. care for it. Is, is it could have been instrumental yeah. and it would have been fine. <laughs> I think that was their tip to be like, we got to put something cool in here for the kids. And yeah. it really came <laughs> off that way. So let's get the guys from, from City of Angels. Um, how does it hold up? Uh, female character agency. I got to admit, I don't think they had a very good one in this one. Mm. It was the mom character. It was one female mm. pirate. Amelia was great. But that's it. But Amelia would have to carry that. For yeah. and, and Amelia was great. And I'm going I'm, to I'm say Amelia, she was, she was great. But she was great in a very male presenting role, right? She didn't yes. bring yes. anything feminine necessarily to that role that was then celebrated for being feminine. She was great yes. because she presented as female, but was successful in a male world. And that was kind of it. It was a one note And then also, thing. once she got hurt, then we didn't really out. see her anymore. Yeah, 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 she's yeah. gone. So, yeah. Uh, drinking and smoking, I don't remember anything. I yet. think really Silver has out. a pipe at one point, but I don't know that we see smoke come out of it. He's like, like yeah. holding it. Everywhere in that story. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Lots uh, of rum. Well, they keep getting drunk, and that's why they keep getting knifed at night by Benjamin Gunn, because they get wasted, <laughs> and then he just oh slips gosh. in and... Yeah. Takes them out. Uh, ethnic representation. I think it's a pretty white cast. As far as voice cast yeah. goes. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard to say because it's like they, they, there was a lot of uh, uh, special species yeah. representation. Yeah. Guns and firearms. There's swords. There's laser guns. There's but like, explosions. Those cannons. It's kind of like loose laser fire. There's not a lot. Like, it, yeah. it didn't come off as, as rough anyway. Like, it's cool because they're like flintlock pistols, but they clearly are shooting lasers. Yeah, I mean, and you never see somebody... Do we ever see somebody die from a shot? No, we never see any. No, they all float off to space. Yeah, Yeah. but I think that that diminishes the power of the weapons in this, right? Yes. I think it's it's just like Star... I think Star Wars is, is more, you know, 
of an issue because you actually see hits, mm. right? Yes. I do think that it kind of, because of the way that death is portrayed here, if it is even death, I do think that it makes some of the stakes feel a little bit lower because you just right. don't have your own logical certainty that that's the end result of what had happened. Well, you know, I keep making the joke that like Mr. Zoff floated away, but like easily, like if, if for some reason, uh, one of them floated back. I feel like it wouldn't be too hard to write that in. I mean, and that's literally what happens to Sam the Eagles. Mr. Arrow is yeah. They, oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. He comes back. They they convince him that he needs to check the rowboats. And he's like, oh, it's very proficient. And he floats away. And then he comes back later. <laughs> but And we've already established that everyone can breathe in space, right? Like, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. can breathe in space. That's not a problem in this yeah. in the way that they've built their universe. If you told me someone came back, like if at the end Mr. Arrow like floated back, I'd be like, well, that's kind of dumb, but I wouldn't be like, what? That's but I will possible. Say, yeah. I will say Mr. Arrow and Mr. Scroops, when they go off, the horror on their face and the scream from yes. Scroop makes you believe that they're done for. Nothing yes. good happens next. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. fair. Nothing, that nothing good fair. happens in a black hole. That's what I've <laughs> always said. Um, all right. So we are going... Do you know the uh, villain ranking? Have you heard it on other episodes? Tell me about the villain ranking. Well, listeners, we will be right back as I explain the villain ranking to Travis. (laughs) Listeners, we've talked about it. We went back and forth. Do we rank silver? Do we not? I think we're going to go ahead... We had a passionate discussion. We had a passionate discussion. (laughs) Uh, Battle lines were drawn. We're back. Travis is an expert on the... the, uh, infallible scientific ranking and we are now going to rank mr scroop so miss frightening for mr scroop one through five travis or we'll start with tara since we're kind of hopping in tara i think he's pretty scary i think he's a four i think so because he's also because he's so different he and we'll talk about that in design but he's so (laughs) lady is wanting a belly rub uh he's so He's designed so different. He's very, like, intense because his whole body is, like, hovering over Jim. And he does kill Mr. Arrow Mm -hmm. and then also blames it on Jim and wants to kill Jim in the beginning. But Silver saves him. I think he's a four. I agree. I almost put him at a five and I'm debating back that. But I think he's definitely a four. I agree. I think he's a four. And I think, like, like you said, Tara, when we get to five, it'll be clear why. But, like... They have gone out of their way to visually tell you that this is a different kind of character. Yes. And they've used a whole bunch of tools that we always associate with evil intent or mm-hmm. evil people to get you to believe that. You know, surprisingly, though, he doesn't present as queer, which is like a step forward. So I'll take that. <laughs> funny. One across Not the board. funny at <laughs> Not all. Not funny at all. One. I'm trying yeah. to think if he even tried a joke. I don't think he did. That I will say on the whole, right? This this movie was not particularly funny. That's true. I like, think there, more, some there were some dialogue, but there weren't moments where you were like, "Oh, this is actually really funny." It was just like, yeah. "Okay, that was sure." Yeah, I think it. the the humor. Yeah, I think the humor comes from Morph, and there's not a lot of mm. humor there, and it's very quick moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fierce. I don't think he's got much like drag queen energy or anything like. i will say he does have an intensity to him he does this is also the more i think of it this is our queer coding like 
subject typically. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think they deserve points for that because that was what Disney did, you know, I don't want to say so well, but you know what I mean, for a while. Yeah. But I, I don't know that he has any, he does have a little bit of intensity. To me, he has an intensity, so I'm going to give him a little higher than a one. I'm going to give him a two. You're going to give him a two? Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I think, I, I, I get that, you know, one or a two would work for me. I just, we, he doesn't really spend enough time on screen, like being himself. To have yes. the opportunity to express that because he's always kind of like serving a purpose. You know, he's moving mm-hmm. the, story, the story somewhere. You don't really get that same time that you do with Silver where he has a lot of time to just kind of like be a person, right, right, be right. a character on screen. Scroop's always kind of moving. I'm going to say one. Okay. I'm going to do the same. Uh, effective. Now, he doesn't get the uh, he doesn't get the treasure from Treasure Planet. But I do think he deserves a point for killing Mr. Arrow. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, because that forces them, it makes it easier for them to have a mutiny yes. without Mr. Arrow there. So, two or a three? I'm going to go with I a think, three because he does the mutiny. Say, the mutiny happens. I yeah. think there's that, but and I also he think. Pushes, he pushes Silver into talking poorly about mm-hmm. Jim, which also mm-hmm. forces things mm-hmm. forward. I'm going to give him a three. I, I yeah, think, I'm going to give him a three. I'm gonna, I think killing a major character is a pretty big deal. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Design. He gets a four from me because mm. I really like his. You were talking about this, like how do we make him seem a villain? Well, he's Jafar's colors, <laughs> yeah, and his eyes are like this well, glowing yellow. That's and he's kind of based intense. on a spider, right? We don't have right. good cultural associations with spiders. When you see that, nope. that already tells you this is an other, and this is bad. Yes. So you're yeah. already getting that message because all the other people are sort of soft and squishy, and they have very yes, human yes, yes, shapes. Yes forms and then you have this spider turn up that's trying to kill people and you're like hey that one's bad i uh want to point out that he also looks like a character from fraggle rock Hmm. episode called the poison cackler which is a monster they were all afraid of and i had nightmares about as a child well you'll have to do a side by side if you're able to look up that character uh without getting upset (laughs) so i think a four i think he gets a four and i think you know it could have been agreed but a four yeah Fours across the board. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, go away, Heat. I think maybe a two just because he like was kind of like a little ooky. Like I, I give him a two mostly because I don't think he was devoid of go away, Heat. Yeah, I didn't have strong feelings with him on mm-hmm. the screen or off the screen. I don't know. So you can give him a one. I think I'm going to give him a one. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably a one. I'm just trying to think like... Because his role is so functional that he, I, you just don't respond to him as necessarily a personality because he's just kind of mm-hmm. doing his thing. You're like, okay, 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 okay. So yeah, so I think one's, I think a one. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna give him a two just because that poison cackler association. That's fair. that's fine. And then yes, factor. I had a one as well. Yeah, you're never like excited. I, yeah, to I'll see have him. a one. I was mm-hmm. not. Yeah. All right. So he is a fifteen point seven. Okay. So where does that put him? Now, Tara gets to see me go all the way down oh, the rankings. Oh, he's actually not as low as I thought he would be. What? He's... Oh, so he's tied with a bunch of... Uh, I, he's he's in good company here. He right. is He is 44th. Right above Aunt Sarah from Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> and right below Monstro from Pinocchio. That's fine. He can go there. Well, what they, I mean, they didn't do a lot with him, but they did it. What they did do, they were clear about. So I think yes. that's for yeah. it. Like they, you knew who he was, you knew what he was about. It just wasn't very exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you. Oh, I guess we have one more question. I almost always forget this. I know. And that is, do we put this one in a clamshell on our shelf as part of our collection, or do we lock it away in the vault forever? And those are the only two options, I have a Tara. drawer. You the don't have a drawer. The listeners know I have a drawer. There is no I have drawer. There is no middle ground. <laughs> you're getting rid of it, or you're keeping it as a place of, of, of glory. We can let our guest go first. You've said flat out you're throwing away the DVD <laughs> when this is over. I am. I don't think this is one I'm ever coming back to. There is too much else out there in the world to spend the hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes doing. <laughs> that I don't think that I would come back to this one. Well, not me. I don't have a lot to do, and I would watch this movie again. I very much enjoy it. Um, I think there's. I definitely would 100% fast forward through the uh, montage scene. Mm. But I like it. I like I I, I I stand up for this movie. I'm in a hard spot because I feel like when we first came back, I was like, "Yeah, I'd watch it again." And now the more that we've talked about it, you like feel, you feel done. I feel like I've <laughs> I've explored it. For me, I'd love another movie with Silver and the Captain. Mm-hmm. Oh right, you know you I don't know that I need adventure. both of them in the same movie. Doppler but I, gets kidnapped and they have to go. Yeah, I like those characters, but I don't know if that's enough for me to watch this one again. And again, it kept making me want to watch Muppets Treasure Island. So I think <laughs> if I want to watch. A Treasure Island movie, I think I'm going to go to the Muppets before I'm going to go to this. So, so I you're think going to lock this away in the vault. In the drawer. There's no drawer. Okay. You can't just have a drawer. <laughs> well, because drawer. in the vault is Song of the South, and I don't think it's it It's not like, the equates. same vault. It's your vault. Your vault does not have Song of the South in it. <laughs> Song of the South does not exist in, in our Boy. lexicon. Uh, okay. It's in the vault. Walt's head, however, is in the vault. Okay. He's looking over all our, all our, all our uh, videos we don't want to watch again. Got it. Well, uh... Travis, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, Thanks, as folks. always, we ask our uh, guests if they would like to plug something, whether that's a uh, personal project, a uh, piece of media maybe you have been enjoying other than Treasure Planet lately, <laughs> and uh, or uh, some just general sentiment you want to put out there in the world. Travis, please feel free to plug away. You know, I'm, I'm going to plug, I will plug a joint favorite of ours brian because there oh. may be folks out there who have not come across it yet and i think that's a shame and this is i don't know when this is going to go out to folks but i'll say it's generally fall-ish appropriate so that'll work uh but if you've not seen over the garden wall folks oh, okay you i thought you were time. gonna I thought you were going to pitch La Brea, and I was like, Travis, by the time this comes out, that show could be canceled. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that to anybody. I think that we're we're doing what we need to do with that show, and it doesn't need yes. wider viewing. Um, yes. But Over the Garden Wall, which is Hulu and HBO Max now, so you can also, yes. if you get HBO Max, you can see it on that. Um, I would, I highly recommend folks see that, because it is very enjoyable and very seasonally appropriate. It's, it's very, it's spooky. It's yeah. not super scary. It's it's a little more it like it, it's interesting because I think it's a little scarier than you believe mm-hmm. watching a little bit of it, but it's it's that good. It's it's also animated, so it fits well in for this yeah. show. We'll probably watch it sometime. It's fun, and it's only like six or seven episodes. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah, it's a good show. I'm gonna make Tara watch it after this. Yeah, I've not seen it. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even want to describe it. I think no, you gotta go out check it out on Hulu. Go watch it, folks. It's very cool. Well, thank you, Travis. Um, and thank you, listeners, for listening. As always, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about our podcast. Uh, and we will be back next time with our next big episode. We'll be Brother Bear with finally we'll have Carly, the maker of our cover of our art. Logo, yeah. Of our logo will be on to discuss 
brother bear with us. Um, until then, thank you guys so much for listening. All right. Take care, listeners. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh